Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. It's November the 23rd. We're recording this on the day before Thanksgiving, and we hope you all have a very, very nice holiday. We really appreciate you so much here on That's What She Said podcast. I know there are tons of great podcasts out there, TV shows, movies, all sorts of streaming services, and sports going on every day. Anytime you take a few minutes out of your busy schedule to come hang out with us here, I really appreciate it, and I respect all of your time so much that we never mail it in. We will never half-ass it here on That's What G Said for you, whether we're talking about horse racing or NFL game previews or even if it's our wrestling recaps or our deep dives into Marvel and Star Wars. We'll always try to give you the best content because I know that for every topic— for someone out there, it's really important, and it's something that you're passionate about, and it's something that you're really interested in, and uh, all of these things are things that I'm interested in. So, again, a big uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. I'm very thankful this year for my son Milo, just turned a three, and uh, my family, and just all of the uh, the folks out there that tune in and, and uh, help me pay my bills and help me uh, put a roof over uh, the family's head and uh, and take care of everyone. So thank you all for tuning in. Let's get to the important stuff now. On this episode, we're going to talk NCAA football week 13, really important week. So we'll preview some of the big games. Then we'll get into NFL week 12, all the game previews with Eric. So we'll dive into Thursday Thanksgiving games and then all the Sunday games and the Monday night game. Then for horse racing, Thursday, fairgrounds best bets. Churchill Downs best bets, Del Mar best bets, three different tracks for Thanksgiving. Then for Friday, Aqueduct best bets, Churchill best bets, Del Mar best bets. So we'll go Thursday and Friday, three different racetracks. We'll finish up with this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We talk AEW full gear. We talk Survivor Series. We preview that show. We talk some Raw and SmackDown and NXT. On this episode of That's What G Said, that is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow right now and go subscribe to their YouTube channel at BTV Bets. They are doing pre uh, free previews for every match of the World Cup. I have a, a lot of those free previews that I'm doing, but between the entire crew over there, every match is previewed with some wagering advice. Hopefully we can help you out. We can get you set up and we can just get you prepped for watching these big World Cup matches, uh, which are so much fun right now. Better than dot Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow. And this weekend, big shopping weekend. If you're not exactly sure what to get some of the folks that you need to get Christmas presents for, you need to get holiday gifts for. Candles are a perfect gift for anyone. You can get a couple different candles, a couple different scents, and you let them know that with these candles, you're getting them from Sarah Candles, C-E-R-A Candles, and the website is C-E-R-A Candles.com, Sarah Candles.com. They're all natural soy wax no toxins, no pollutants, no carcinogens. So they're healthier for you, and the wax actually burns longer. So you won't have to buy as many of them. They're affordable. And when you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you 10% off your purchase. Use that promo code Gino. a great gift. Get a few of these. You'll have some extra gifts around the house for, you know, it's always going to pop up where you're not sure what to get someone. Get a couple of these different candles and you can let them know they're healthier for you, for the animals, for the kids, for everyone around. You don't want them burning and breathing in those toxins. So sarahcandles.com, promo code Gino, gets you 10% off your purchase. 
Let's get into some college football. Lots of college football games I wanted to take a quick peek at. Uh, It's a really fun rivalry week in the final weeks now uh, for a lot of these teams. Let's kick it off on Thursday with the Egg Bowl. We've got Mississippi State versus Ole Miss. Lots of rumors out there about Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. Is he going to be uh, leaving and heading to Auburn? Mississippi is about a a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite playing uh, against Mississippi State here. Mississippi State 7-4 and four straight up, 5-5-1 five, five and one against the spread. Ole Miss 8-3 and three straight up, 4-6-1 and one against the spread. Ole Miss has lost three of their last four. Last week they lost to Arkansas. They allowed 42 points. Then they were only able to score 27 in that game, and they were just getting beat up throughout a lot of it. They have won the last two rivalry games against Mississippi State. But they have not. They did not play a top fifty ranked offense throughout the first seven weeks of the year. The last few weeks, they played Alabama when Bryce Young was hurt. They played Texas A and M, whose offense is miserable, and they played again last week against Arkansas with the quarterback dealing with an injury. They really haven't played a great schedule of offenses, and Mississippi State should throw the ball all over. Ole Miss is outside the top one hundred in schedule adjusted EPA per pass allowed. They're outside the top 90 in defending the run and 80% chance of rain there. Keep in mind and just keep an eye on the weather on the Mississippi State side. They've lost three of their last five. They've lost three of their last four conference game and they lost two straight in this rivalry. So a lot of the players on this team haven't defeated Ole Miss. They're probably going to be a little more pumped for this game than Ole Miss who after starting the season so good, they probably had higher hopes for a bigger bowl. Now they're having to hear all these Lane Kiffin rumors. I think there might be some more motivation. And Mississippi State has not had to leave the state of Mississippi in a month since October the 22nd. Their losses this year are pretty good losses on paper. At LSU, at Bama, Georgia, and Kentucky. Not bad losses there. I'm leaning Mississippi State. In this one, let's go Texas minus the seven and a half against Baylor. So Baylor is six and five straight up, seven and four against the spread. Texas seven and four straight up, seven and four against the spread. Texas comes in with a win over Kansas, largest margin against Kansas since 2011. Robinson ran for 243 yards for four touchdowns, and Texas had 427 yards rushing on the day. As a team, they had 539 total yards, and they still have a chance to play for the Big 12 championship. If they win this game and Kansas beats Kansas State, they will play against TCU in the Big 12 championship. Baylor was leading TCU by eight points with less than seven minutes to go. TCU drives 90 yards on 11 plays. They miss the game-tying two-point conversion. So Baylor gets the ball back with a chance to run out the clock. They have a third down with a wide-open receiver for the first down. But instead of throwing it, they run. They give the ball back to TCU. Goes nine plays, 45 yards in a minute and 34 seconds. They kick a field goal from the 40-yard line to win the game. Baylor ran the ball really well, though. They had three ball carriers with five or more carries that had a 58% or higher success rate. They moved the ball well. They had 501 yards of total offense, and they held on to the ball for almost 34 minutes in that game. I think Baylor can try to run the ball here and, and maybe get up for this game also. It, over the touchdown, I would lean Baylor if you're looking for a side to play in this game. We move to... Tulane, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a two and a half point favorite in this one. Tulane nine and two straight up, nine and two against the spread. Cincinnati nine and two straight up, three seven and one against the spread. 
Tulane, if they win this game, they clinch a spot and they host the AAC championship game. If Cincinnati wins this game, then they will host the AAC championship game, and there could possibly be a rematch here. On the Tulane side, the running back Spears has five straight games with 100 yards, and he's just four yards short of 1,000 on the season. Cincinnati has won 32 straight home games, second longest streak to only Clemson for the longest active winning home streak. They've won 31 of their last 35 games overall. Cincinnati is short favorite against Tulane in here. I don't really have the strongest opinion on that one. Let's go to Michigan, Ohio State, the big one. Ohio State, about a touchdown favorite, 7, 7 7.5. Both of these teams undefeated, 11-0 coming in. Michigan, 6-4-1 against the spread. Ohio State, 5-5-1 against the spread. Ohio State, they beat Maryland 43-30 off a big performance from the running back Hayden. He was their third string running back. He's a freshman, 146 yards, three touchdowns, 27 carries. He picked up nine first downs along the way. He finished with the highest grade of his career based on pro football focus grade. He ran for 100 yards a week before against Indiana. And so he's averaged 5.4 yards per carry in each of those games. Injury issues plagued the top two running backs. They could be back this week. So they may have a three-headed monster in the backfield there for Ohio State. They've won every game this year by double digits, but they did get a a late touchdown last week that made it look like a larger margin of victory than it actually was. Stroud, quarterback, has completed 66% of his passes for over 2,900 yards, 35 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's one of the Heisman favorites. They are 17-3 in the last 20 games against Michigan. They have five wins over current FPI top 40 teams by an average of 22.4 points per game. Michigan and Ohio State are the top two teams in point differential per game, points per game differential. They've scored 40, as Ohio State has in nine of their 10 games, 40 plus. They're second in the nation in scoring average at more than 46 a game. They score touchdowns on nearly 80% of their touchdown drives, which is second. They're first in the country in yards per play. And, but they're dealing with some serious injuries to some of their top weapons. But for the metrics on them, all look pretty good. Visually, when I've been watching them, though, they I don't know if they've been impressive on the offensive side, but their defense has been maybe more impressive than you would have expected coming into the year. They've allowed just 34% of runs to grade successful, which is top 10. They're top 30 in both EPA per rush allowed and in power rush allowed, and we know Michigan wants to run the ball. And their running back, Corum, suffered a knee injury in the second quarter. He had just one carry afterwards. He is the highest graded player in the country, the 96th grade. They were also down another running back, Edwards. So in the second half, unlike Ohio State, they were just having a tough time finding any playmakers and really moving the ball. They had six second half possessions. One was a 10-play drive where they failed on fourth down. And then they had four drives that ended in field goals. Field goals of 41, 33, and 35. And McCarthy looked a little shaky on a a couple of uh, throws on that final drive that easily could have been intercepted. He still managed to complete two fourth down plays with less than five minutes remaining. And Michigan needed those to win the game. But he had his worst QBR last week and his second worst QBR two weeks ago. Three games ago against Rutgers, he completed 48% of his passes in the game. I don't know if they're going to be able to move the ball enough and score enough to keep up with Ohio State. They are outside the top 60 in schedule-adjusted efficiency and an EPA per pass, but they're top 10 in rushing success rate, 
top 30 in yards per rush and in power rush. Number one in the nation in total defense is Michigan, allowing only 241 yards per game. Second in points allowed, 11.7 per game, but they've only played one top 30 offense. They beat Ohio State last year to snap an eight-game losing streak against them. Morris, who's the best defensive lineman for Michigan, he dressed last week but did not play. Keep an eye on him. He puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback as their best pass rusher. He had an 18% pressure rate on pass rush snaps. Offensive line for Michigan is a little bit banged up. I don't like laying a big number like this. I I do think uh, Ohio State is is just a lot better uh, than, than Michigan. I would definitely lean that way. We go South Carolina, Clemson. South Carolina seven and four, six and five against the spread. Clemson ten and one straight up, six and five against the spread. South Carolina comes in off of that big win last week, a huge upset of Tennessee, where Spencer Rattler had a fantastic game. He had four hundred and thirty-three yards, six touchdowns. He was a former five-star recruit. Remember him from a few years back. He incredible arm talent, and he had five big-time throws, zero turnover-worthy plays in that game. He had a 78% accurate pass rate, which was the fifth highest game in a, in the season this year among any quarterbacks in any game this year who passed 40 times. In seven conference games prior to that, he had five touchdown passes. In, uh, in the last 84 years, so since the AP poll has started, no unranked team has ever scored more than 60 against the top five team. We just saw that happen. South Carolina had the highest EPA expected points added per play among all FBS teams last week. And before Saturday, they had the 58th best offense. They were just average. They're playing Clemson. Clemson held Miami to 98 total yards last week. Clemson has won two in a row since the loss to Notre Dame, and those wins have combined for 40, uh, have been by a combined 45 points. They should be getting some key returners back, a defensive tackle, and a wide receiver coming back. Clemson is a 14.5-point favorite in this one, over under 57.5. I mean, you feel like it's probably going to be tough for South Carolina to put another game like that together here, especially against a a much, much tougher defense. So I'm, I'm probably staying away from that one. Let's go NC State, North Carolina. We've got North Carolina as a six and a half point favorite in this one over under 56 and a half. North Carolina State is seven and four, but they're three and eight against the spread. North Carolina is nine and two, six and five against the spread. North Carolina had put themselves in a pretty good spot. They had an outside chance of making it into the college football playoff before losing last week to Georgia. They had won six in a row. They looked like they were going to score a go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter, but wide receiver Downs dropped what would have been a go-ahead touchdown. It was only his third drop of the season on 91 targets, cost him a chance at the game and a chance at the playoff, and also could have cost their quarterback a chance at a Heisman Trophy. As he, he entered the week as the highest-rated quarterback and the most valuable player in the country, according to P. Pro Football Focus wins above average metric. They blew a 17-point lead. They had a lot of issues in the red zone. They just couldn't get off the field. Four trips inside the red zone last week, just 13 points total from those trips. They were only able to score 17 points against the number 87-ranked defense. They're sixth in the nation, though, in passing touchdowns per game. They're tied for eighth in total offense and in yards per game with 492. They could get two offensive weapons back this week, tight end and a wide receiver who both missed last week's game but have practiced so far this week. 
And North Carolina State is, is just, they're suffering right now. They're down to their fourth string quarterback last week. They had to start, uh, start a redshirt freshman, Finley. He went 16 of 35, 201 yards, a touchdown and an interception. They have a strong defense. They're tied for 21st in total defense, allowing 323 yards per game. They're ninth in rushing yards allowed per game, just over 101. And last week, they had a former player arrested for stalking and making threats against the current head coach. So a lot of weird stuff going on there for them. Not a great energy as they had a much better start to the season. And recently, things have not been going well for them. We move to, where do we go next? Oregon. Oregon State. So Oregon is a three and a half point favorite on the road at Oregon State over under in this game, 56 and a half. Oregon is nine and two straight up, eight and three against the spread. Oregon State is eight and three straight up, nine and two against the spread. Bo Nix for Oregon was dealing with an ankle injury. He struggled throughout the game last week. He he didn't look healthy. He still managed 287 yards and had a big third and one run. And it was the only designed run of the week. Oregon had a 14-point lead early, but then they got really stagnant. Honestly, it was a bad game for Utah and for Rising. He threw three interceptions on the final three drives. He was 6 of 13 for 29 yards and an interception. And it wasn't like they were putting pressure on him or anything at all. He was kept clean on 76% of his dropbacks. He only managed five yards per attempt. He had two interceptions on those clean plays. His play from a clean pocket was the biggest factor in Utah being unable to find any sort of offensive rhythm against an Oregon defense that's been crushed in some weeks. Like, they got destroyed by Washington the week before. And now for Oregon, they lost to Washington. Tough game. Bo Nix gets beat up. Then they have to play another really tough game against Utah. They feel like they've got a game possibly with USC next week. And now they got their rival here. This Oregon team is pretty tough. They had a 38% rushing success rate last week, which is about 25% less than their season average because they're number one in the country. Oregon State is top 30 in scoring defense. They've covered five straight games. Martinez ran for 138 yards last week, and they've covered by 10-plus points at home in four of their last five games. A small, tough place to play. 26,000-seat stadium is under renovation. But they are outside the top 80 in both EPA per rush allowed and in rushing success rate allowed. So Oregon should be able to run the ball against them. Can they attack Oregon's defense through the air? Oregon's defense isn't fantastic, but their strength on defense is stopping the run. So it may be just as... It may be a little bit difficult for Oregon State to run the ball against them. Can they move the ball through the air? We'll find out. Auburn, Alabama. Auburn 5 and 6, 5 and 6 against the spread. Alabama 9 and 2, 5 and 6 against the spread. And Alabama's a huge favorite in this game, 22 and a half point favorite. And you just have to wonder, does Alabama really care about winning this game by 3 plus scores? I don't know if Bryce Young and some of their other key players are going to play in a bowl game if they're not playing for a national championship. And I think with this Auburn team, they're just going to try to run the ball. Their games under Cadillac Williams, they are just out gaining their opponents on the ground by a ton. So in a big game, with a big number like this, for a new coach trying to get some big victories, I feel like Auburn is just going to care so much more about this game than Alabama will. So I'm going to lean Alabama 
Uh, I'm going to be I'm going to lean Auburn covering a big big number in here. Hopefully they can run the ball and and keep this game close. Let's move to Florida, Florida State. Florida is 6 and 5 straight up, 6 and 5 against the spread. Florida State 8 and 3 straight up, 8 and 3 against the spread. And Florida, they're playing the uh the Sunshine Showdown on a Friday for the first time. Florida comes off a loss to Vanderbilt. They were down by 16 at one point in the game. They were trailing basically the whole game. They committed 80 yards in penalties. They went 4 of 15 on third down. They only ran for 45 yards. And they're going to be missing key player who's out for the first half from targeting last week. Two top wide receivers questionable with injuries. This team ranks outside the top 100 in defense. The schedule adjusted rushing and passing success rate and explosive rushing and explosive passing allowed. They're just bad overall. Florida State is quietly started to really put things together. They've gotten healthier. Their defense had a stretch of 32 drives where they did not allow a touchdown. That was just recently snapped. They've won 13 of their last 19 games. Their last four games, they've outscored opponents 173 to 39. They've had four game-winning, uh, two four-game winning streaks this year. They're 6-1 and one straight up and against the spread this year as a favorite. And last week, they got to play... Napier's old team, the current head coach of Florida, used to coach the team that Florida State played last week. And in fact, his old head, his old offensive coordinator is now their head coach. That team is probably going to use a lot of the same scheme that Florida is. So they're probably very well prepared for this game. They're, Florida State ranks really high on a lot of like advanced metrics. They're number four in yards per game margin and in yards per play margin. They're number seven in points per game margin. And the only thing is, the last four weeks they've played all backup quarterbacks. And the defense is outside the top 80 in rushing and in passing success rate allowed on defense. So, Florida State, Florida, I mean, I just think Florida State is a much more talented team, in particular at this time. I would lean them, but I don't want to lay a big number like that. It's up to 10. Over-under in that game, 57.5. The big one out here, USC and Notre Dame. USC beat UCLA last week. USC is a, about a I think it's about a 5. This has moved around from about 4.5 up to 6. It's kind of settling in between there. It's around 5.5, 6 now. USC favored against Notre Dame over-under 62.5. Notre Dame is 8-3 and three this year, 6-5 and five against the spread. USC is 10-1, 7-4 and, one, seven and four against the spread. USC Caleb Williams was awesome for most of the game last week. A couple poor decisions. I mean, USC got down in that game 14-0. They drove all the way down, got uh, missed a field goal, then stopped UCLA, got the ball back, and then got stopped on fourth down. They could have scored 14 points and been up 14-0. Instead, UCLA scored, USC turned the ball over, and they were down 14-0. USC had to come back in that game. Caleb Williams had a great grade, though, and he had 500 total yards, three touchdowns. They averaged 11 yards every time he dropped back to pass. Even when he was pressured, eight yards per attempt, he graded out with an 84 on pressure dropbacks. He completed passes to nine different receivers. Addison had 11 catches for 178 yards. They punted just one time, and it was on their final drive, and it was basically to try to settle for field position rather than take a shot. They found a way to get DTR to turn the ball over four times, including a game-sealing interception. He was banged up, but USC is now plus 20 in turnover margin this year. They're the third most prolific turnover-forcing defense in the country. 
They really couldn't slow UCLA down very much. The running game just gashes them over and over. DTR had a 92% success rate rushing. But their defense came up with some big plays on a down-to-down basis, so they got killed. The only defense that they've played this year, USC, that remotely resembles Notre Dame was Oregon State. And remember, USC had a really tough time against Oregon State there, but that was at Oregon State. Notre Dame has quietly played really well as of late. They're actually ranked fifth in the pro football focus power rankings metric. They are ahead of USC, Oregon, LSU, TCU. If they win this game, they will likely be in a New Year's Six game. They're coming off their fifth straight win. They just shut out Boston College. They're going to try to be really physical at the point of attack and then just run the ball right down USC's throat. Now, UCLA has a great offense. But the difference between these two, Notre Dame should be able to run the ball but their defense is much better than UCLA's defense. Now, on the flip side, Notre Dame wants to stay close because if they have to come from behind, they're not really a great passing offense. Like They're not going to be able to come from way out of it if they're down 14 or 21 points in here. They're forced to throw. They're going to be in trouble. But the defense is top 10 in schedule-adjusted passing success rate. It's a good defense. Their, offense is, their offensive line is 8th in average line yards, top 20 in line yards created, and top 30 in rushing success rate allowed. And they're used to playing top-level offenses. They played Ohio State. They played North Carolina. But they did play Ohio State in the first game of the year. USC is definitely up there. USC has the fourth overall ranked offense based on the football outsiders. Or excuse me, they're up to three now. Ohio State, Tennessee, and USC are the top three offenses based on the offensive metrics. USC doesn't rank great in a lot of overall metrics because their defense is so, so bad. But basically everything you're looking at has their offense right up towards the top. And in fact, based on offensive line yards, USC is number one on average line yards. They're ahead of LSU, Oregon, UCLA. And Notre Dame is eighth in that metric. Ohio State is 10th. So big games coming up. This weekend, fun times where we've got college basketball tournaments all throughout the day. We're going to have college football games the next few days going on all throughout the days. World Cup stuff, and then we'll get into NFL right now. Let's talk some NFL. Week number 12, Eric joins us for our game-by-game previews. We start with the first three games that are on Thanksgiving Thursday, and then we dive into the Sunday games and the Monday game. Eric from ETOF21 Sports joins us to talk NFL Week 12. NFL Week 12, getting into our game previews. This one's a fun week because it's Thanksgiving and we have the three Thanksgiving games to discuss. If you ever want to look and follow along with us, we have been recording these and posting them on social media to Twitter, to YouTube, and to Facebook. Eric joins me each and every week, and then we can go through the Betfred Sportsbook betting lines and just take a look at each of these matchups. So, Eric, let's start with the three Thursday games that we've got going on this week is we have the Bills playing your Lions, man. Your Lions quietly playing some pretty good football right now. And what's interesting is most of the year, great offense, terrible defense. Recently, the defense has actually been playing pretty well. They scored touchdowns last week on three consecutive possessions to really put the game away. Lions come into this game with a four and six record. Six and four against the spread. The Bills are seven and three, five, four, and one against the spread. And the number in this game is the Bills as a nine and a half point favorite on the road 
over under is 54 and a half. Hey, the, uh, the bills went up to Detroit last week and they rented, they rented the place from you. Uh, did yep. you see the, did you see the tweet that the lions sent out to the bills? Yeah, it was, just have it cleaned when you leave and be, yeah. It was pretty social. funny. It said, it said, uh, important, um, important numbers are by the phone. Lock up when you leave and please don't break the tables. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It was great. Well, well done, Lions there. That's um, pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, to piggyback your point, ever since the bye, what the Lions have been doing is they've been moving Hutchinson around. He's actually dropped back in coverage. He had a sack, uh, excuse me, an interception last week. Uh, moving him around, it's allowing him to get to the quarterback a little bit quicker. And we've all seen, like, when you're able to get to a quarterback under that 2.8 seconds, it's – it's hard for them to process information. Um, flip side, I'm going to say it right now. My my prediction is Allen is going to have surgery on, what is it, these UCL thing in his elbow. He's going to have surgery in the offseason. He needs surgery right now. You can tell right now he's not 100% at all with the injury he has. Because of that, the offense just doesn't look right. My boy James Cook, even though he only played 16 snaps last week on 11 carries, he had over 70 yards rushing. So he did look good. I'd like to see him get the, a little bit more run. So while you're talking about Lena, Cook, just because you're talking about him, so they hit both Singletary and Cook each ran for 86 yards. But Cook, he finished with 32 rushing yards over expected on Sunday. That was the highest total for a, a Bills player this year that wasn't a quarterback. Yep. So that was the best running game that they've had from a back this year. Yeah, it's it's I was high on this kid. I thought he was gonna be the starter. You know, obviously he didn't pick up the pass blocking, so that kind of hurt him a little bit. Um, in terms of this game, I look at it like this at home, Josh Allen is an absolute stud covering these big numbers. On the road, however, laying nine and a half or more, he's and, only twenty five percent ATS. And, and the Bills went back and forth, right? They, they yeah, went to Detroit, went home so they could be with their family for a couple days, and then are going back to Detroit again. Yep, that's a lot of little zigzagging travel. Uh, golf is perfect, ATS. And I like to pick it, Bill's offense just doesn't look right. I think no, they didn't get off a to a great bit. start again yeah. last week, Eric. They had three points and 15 total yards in the first quarter, then they were much better. 342 yards, 28 points in the final three quarters. In the second half, they had 223 total yards, and they scored on all their second half possessions except for the last one. They took a little while to get going, though. They um was was kind of weird. They did hold Chubb last week to 19 yards on 14 carries, and they really held the ball well in the in the fourth quarter for nine minutes and 22 seconds. Three field goals, no turnovers. But I think that was more of the fact that the Bills. The Browns. Down the set. No, yeah. the Bills shut down the Browns in the second half. Exactly. No offense. They the couldn't do anything really, and just kept really spitting it right back to them. It. Yeah, really, really uh, struggled to get anything going. Uh, I locked in. As soon as this got up to nine and a half, I locked it in because I didn't see it going to 10. So Absolutely. I'm invested here on the – Totally uh, agree. I um, have to be on the Bills. I mean, have to be have on the Lions be. here, on the Lions here at home. Plus, I mean, anything – like seven and a half and over, I would been I would have been fine with here. And this is just too much, too much of a number for a Lions team that has some ability. I mean, like you mentioned, Hutchinson, second interception in the last three games. He's been good in coverage. He also picked up a fumble recovery. We had yeah. um the second time this year where they faced a team that 
blitzed on more than 50% of their dropbacks and they had zero sacks. That's yeah. hard to do. That's really impressive from the offensive line. So that offensive line last week held the Giants without a sack and they rushed for 160 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. Now in the last five straight Thanksgiving games, they've they're 0 and 5 but they're 2 and 3 against the spread. This is the first three-game winning streak since 2017. You know, the Lions are top 10 in EPA per play. They had 31 points against the Giants on Sunday. All four touchdowns came on the ground, three of them from Williams. He's leading the league with 12. A major and component. He leads, he leads the league in red zone carries, too. And this is uh, just straight from Football Outsiders. A major component of their offensive success has been their offensive line, which is tied for fifth in total points per play. Additionally, Goff has been more than serviceable. He's ninth in adjusted net yards per attempt. The last two weeks, we've seen a little more Justin Jackson. More snaps, more routes, more touches than Swift. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the defense still isn't great, right? They've allowed the most yards per game and the most points per game. But three weeks ago, if I would have told you you were going to win a couple games like that, especially the two games that you – the first two – you would have said there's no way. The only way this Lions team is going to win is if they outscore someone. So it's it's kind of like a, you know, you lose some of those games early in the year that you maybe should have won. And then a couple of these games, it sort of it sort of feels like for the first time in a while, the Lions had things even out a little for them. Yeah, I mean, stuff is finally going their way, which is great to see. Um, golf. golf is serviceable. Um, defense, you can finally see Joseph, the safety, starting to play plays. Hutchinson starting to make plays. The young guys in the defense are finally starting to come together. Uh, Swift, I'll say it, biggest disappointment in fantasy football. I mean, there mm-hmm. are some people touting him as a, you know, pop potential first round pick, uh, top three running back. Uh, he just can't stay healthy. Um, so yeah, I like the Lions here. Bills are struggling. Uh, dare I say, I think the Lions could potentially win the game too. I do I'll too. probably put a little. I probably put a little sprinkle on the money line. But I I'm definitely invest. I definitely locked in the nine and a half. So that's one bet I've locked in for the week. Come on, Danny Campbell and those Lions. We've got the Lions plus the nine and a half here. Looking at the Lions over at Betfred Sportsbook. Let's move to the Giants and the Cowboys. So I got to say, Eric, win or lose in this game. And and what's tough now is that the Giants are really dealing with it with some injuries right now. So that is what is my major concern about this game. But every ounce of my fiber and my being loves the next two games on Thanksgiving because, to me, this is everything I look for in gambling. We have a Cowboys team that beat the absolute crap out of the Vikings. And, man, you, I, I don't like doing the old pat myself on the back thing. I said it on Sunday morning that they were going to get beat by 30. I yeah. said they're, they're going to get beat by 30 and they lost by 37. You just knew that everything was coming together for the Vikings. It, I don't, I think Dallas is a very good football team, but I took less out of that Cowboys Vikings game about the Cowboys than I did about the Vikings. I, I just thought that was more of the Vikings kind of regressing and all those little bounces kind of coming to get them in the same game. Now you've got the Cowboys who come off of their incredible game. Pollard was awesome. They scored on their first seven possessions. They were 11 of 15 on third down with Dak. The defense was unstoppable. Parsons had four tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, five quarterback hits. I mean, they jumped all the way up to number two in DVOA. Their defense is awesome. They lead the NFL with 42 sacks, tied with the Patriots and Titans with 106 pressures. 
Special teams has been good. But, you know, everybody saw that. And now they're a little overvalued right now. And you know what? Dallas is 0-3 straight up against the spread in the last three Thanksgivings. They are 1-10 ATS on Thanksgiving in the last 11 years. And I just feel like this is the most perfect spot in the world to play the Giants because nobody wants to play the Giants. Everybody's kind of assuming that the Giants got off to kind of a fluky start this year and they were going to come back to life last week. Daniel Jones had some turnovers after he wasn't turning the ball over at all this year. They only scored one point or they only scored points on one of their first seven drives. And at that point, the lions were already up 24 to six. I mean, it it was over and the run defense struggled. Jones struggled. They, they had five players rule out during the game last week that they lost because of injury. I mean, just one of those games where every single thing went wrong. And I think that's why you got to play them this week. I think there's value on the Giants. So I like the Giants in here, plus the nine and a half. Talk to us about Giants, Cowboys. Well, first of all, what, what was the future I gave out last week on your show, bud? Dallas, well, Giants, yeah. Giants Joe, not to make the playoffs. To miss, to at, miss. At plus 300. Um, yeah, I gave this one out on my show on Tuesday night. Uh Gambling is all about buying low, selling high. The Cowboys just went to Minnesota, defeated the, the Vikings 40-3. So they're being overvalued right now in the market. Teams that won the week before by 35 points or more are 43% ATS when they are home favorites. Teams that won by 35 points or more and are a touchdown or more favorites, 46% ATS. Teams in general, after winning by 35 points or more, are 42% ATS. Kind of just piggybacks exactly what you just said about a team just being overvalued in that situation. Uh, Daniel Jones, absolutely insane. 22 and 14 ATS is a dog. That's 61% as a road dog. He is an absurd 13 and 5, 72% ATS. I also like the situation where you get a divisional dog who's playing playing a team for the second time that lost that's getting over a touchdown because you can have those adjustments. The first team like really doesn't have to make that many adjustments. The second team is going to make some more adjustments going into this matchup. And also it's always like important to watch the games because I'm not hearing anybody. Now granted like I really don't watch that much like sports TV or listen to that many pat I don't listen to any podcast really. Um I just kind of look at Twitter but no one's really talking about per- Michael Parsons got banged up at the end of the game. Yeah, he did. And uh, um, I really think if Parsons isn't there, that's going to hurt the pass rush of the Cowboys. This Cowboys team can be run on. I think that it, it lines up for a big game for Saquon Barkley. We saw the we saw uh, the Packers do it a few weeks ago, right? That's yep. the, that's the template for them. Yeah, because the the, cow, the Cowboys are they. Um, you can run against them. The Cowboys actually give up four point seven yards per rush, which is twenty seventh in the league. So they're right down there with the with the Lions, like bottom five against the run. Yep. And um, divisional dogs this year that are giving a touchdown or more are five and two ATS. So we are seeing the trend this year that teams that uh, are uh, are over a tutty favorite are uh, are covering. I absolutely love the Giants here. I locked them in at nine and a half. Both of these teams are seven and three. It's a huge game in the NFC East and for playoff positioning. As we move along to the final of the three games on the Thanksgiving Thursday, 
Patriots, Vikings. We have the Vikings as a two and a half point favorite here at home playing the Patriots over under in this game is 42 and a half. New England is six and four, six, three and one against the spread. The pay, uh, the Vikings are eight and two straight up four, five and one against the spread. Eric, it was one game. What's nice though, is when you bet a game, you can bet it bigger, right? It's not just necessarily one win. You can play a game bigger if you like it that way, but that would be like the resume game. I would put on my resume to tell people about how you should bet is watching the Vikings throughout the season. We've been pointing out every week how they were not nearly as good as their record. They are all the way down to 24th in DVOA. It was the first time they lost in 63 days, but it was a microcosm of every game they were in. All of the balls were bouncing their way. It, It all just came together against them in this one game. It was the first time this year they didn't get a turnover. They fumbled on their first drive. Then on the second drive, Hawkinson dropped back-to-back passes in the end zone. On his first 23 dropbacks, Cousins was sacked six times and knocked down nine. He finished overall sacked seven times. That was the most in his career. Do you know the Vikings have a negative point differential this year? They are eight and two, and they have a negative overall point differential. That is the lowest in NFL history by any team to start eight and two or better through 10 games. The lowest was the Chargers in 1987. They had a plus six point differential through 10 games. They ended up missing the playoffs this year, that year. They went one of 11 on third down, did the Vikings. 183 total yards on 10 drives. But you know what? I love them in this spot. I absolutely love them in this spot. Just like we said, this is a fantastic spot for them to bounce back. Now, my major concern for them is the offensive line issue for Darisaw. Um that's going to be a big issue. I think that will really hurt them without their starting left tackle. But, and one more thing, this is a primetime game. Cousins is three and five in his last eight primetime games. And the two wins came against the Bears. He's thrown 10 interceptions in those eight primetime games. And the only time this year he had a primetime game was against the Eagles back in week two when they got destroyed. But you know yeah. what, Eric? The Patriots are not very good. The Patriots... And Mac, Mac Jones is the 34th of 36 graded quarterbacks by pro football focus. He has seven big time throws this year, 10 turnover worthy plays. They averaged 4.2 yards per offensive play over their last three games. Their opponents have averaged 3.7 yards per offensive play, 2.1 yards per play the last two weeks for the Patriots opponents. Here's what, here is a quote per football outsiders. Yes, the defense remains capable of confounding terrible quarterbacks, but with eight penalties, missed field goals, and practically no offense, it's hard to argue that they're really winning with coaching and with discipline. They're just turtling until opponents outdumb them. Turtling until opponents outdumb them. I freaking love that quote. From, hey, you uh, can't make that quote up. I from mean, Football pretty... Outsiders. It was fantastic stuff. I mean, they... They crossed the 50-yard line twice in the second half, and they needed a go-ahead punt return touchdown to win the game. It's a Jets thing. I mean, they. I, I just think it's a fantastic spot to bounce back right away on the Vikings, and I've been waiting to play against the Patriots. So this this is like the most perfect spot, win or lose, for what I want to bet on this week. Like, I absolutely love the Vikings back in this spot here. I think they'll be able to score on the Patriots. I think they'll be able to run the ball. We've seen the Patriots are not fantastic against the run. And I don't think the Patriots will be able to score with them 
talk to us about Vikings Pats. Um, you know, I gave this one out on my show too. Uh, Vikings minus two and a half. You know, I've been fading this team a lot this season, but this week I'm actually betting them. Teams that have lost by 35 points or more the week before are 64% ATS. Teams that have lost by 35 points or more that are home favorites with a spread of three or less, 70%. Uh, this Patriots team is struggling offensively. Like you said, I don't think they're going to be able to score enough points to keep up with them. Uh, Mac Jones, I, they the Patriots messed up by having Joe Judge and Patricia be there and be his developmental coach for the gap between his first and second year. He's not taking the steps forward that a second-year quarterback should be taking, and it's really showing on the field. He's not making the reads he should. He's not having confidence. So I don't trust Mac Jones at all, and uh, you hit the nail on the head. They can't stop the run. I think it's a huge Dalvin Cook game. This is this is just all what gambling is. Like Patriots got to win. That people think they're better than they are. I mean, you start diving into this team, they are not that good. They have a couple wins against the Jets so far this year. Here's a look at who the Patriots have beat. Here's their schedule. They lost to Miami in Week One. They beat Pittsburgh by three in Week Two. They lost to Baltimore. They lost in overtime to Green Bay. And then we sort of thought like. No, oh yeah, Green Bay is okay. Maybe that's not a bad win, or maybe that's not a bad loss. Well, Green Bay is not good. They beat up Detroit, and in that game, Detroit lost like five or six players during the game. They were so banged up. They beat the Browns, who are terrible. Then the Bears kicked the crap out of them on Monday Night Football. Since then, since they got their doors blown off by the Bears, they beat the Jets twice by one possession, and they got to play Sam Erlinger, Erlinger and the Colts in the game right before they fired Frank Wright. Yeah, like, that's anything but impressive. That's, you know, they're, they're the team now that I'm going to try to pick on for a little while if they look a little overvalued in uh, in betting lines. Let's continue along. And plus, like, to kind of piggyback, that AFC West is absolutely a dogfight. There's going to be some situational spots. And I know it's a 10-day rest, but still the Patriots do play the uh, the Jets the next week. So, you know, both those teams could easily be kind of looking ahead a little bit to that situation. Let's get to Falcons and Commanders. We've got Atlanta 5-6 and six straight up. They're still in the playoff hunt, 7-4 and four against the spread. Washington 6-5, six 6-4-1 and, five, six, four and one against the spread. The Falcons, man, Patterson, the ninth career kickoff return for a touchdown. That's the most all-time. It was his seventh career touchdown of 100-plus yards. No other NFL player has more than three. He has seven. Um, For Atlanta, that Pitts injury, probably going to hurt them quite a bit because, yeah, Pitts wasn't lighting it up in fantasy, but he's a very good blocker, and and he's on the field quite a bit too. Uh, The defense for Atlanta was able to put a lot more pressure on the quarterback last week. They pressured fields on 40% of dropbacks weeks one through 10. They'd only put pressure on quarterbacks 22% of the time, which was the fourth lowest rate in the NFL. I got to say, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to particularly play them in this spot, but I just want to give a lot of credit to Ron Rivera and what he's done this year with the commanders. I mean, they have all that crap, Eric going on with their owner who just seems like he's a miserable guy and they have to keep hearing about this all the time. They have, they go make a a trade for a quarterback that they bring in and the quarterback that they bring in can't do anything. He can't produce the quarterback that they bring in is 
just not capable. They have one of the rookies that they draft. He gets shot before the season starts. I mean, they had to deal with so much, so much. And somehow this commander's team is a team with a winning record and they have a huge chance of getting a playoff spot after, you know, 11 weeks of the NFL season. So last week, they just they beat up on an inferior opponent. Uh, I saw you kind of pop out for a second, Eric, and uh, and pop back in. Was just talking about all the stuff that the Commanders had dealt with so far this year. With you know rookie getting shot before the season, you have uh, an owner who you have to get asked about all the time because he's said and been involved with bad stuff. You have a quarterback that you bring in that gives you nothing, and all of a sudden they have won five of their last six games, and the only game. In that stretch, they lost. They shouldn't have lost. It was the game against the Vikings where they had a big league late, and they blew that game. They, Their defense is playing well. They came up with two turnovers. They allowed just 21 yards rushing against the Texans last week. Over the first five weeks of the year, the defense was allowing 25.6 points. Since week six, they're allowing 15.8 points and 276 total yards per game. They have 12 takeaways. And... Man, Chase Young out, Robinson shot, wrong quarterback in Wentz, bad owner. This is the only team to beat the Eagles so far this year. And they they lead the league, Eric, in time of possession. That's why they've been good recently. They averaged 32 minutes and 44 seconds per game. Monday night football against the Eagles, they held the ball for over 40 minutes. And then against the Texans, they held the ball for over 35 minutes. And during the last two weeks, they rank tied for eighth in EPA per attempt. Both Gibson and Robinson Jr. rank in the top 20 in EPA per attempt over the last two weeks, have a combined 259 rushing yards. Honestly, it's been Gibson who's been better. He, you know, he, uh, it actually, Robinson's just, you wonder if he's healthy because he's ranks 49th out of 50 running backs with 50 or more carries at 3.4 yards per carry. But they just do a lot of little things better. It's not like they, they have some magic formula, Eric. It's, Defense is playing better. They're not turning the ball over as much. They are running the ball. They're holding the ball more. And, oh, yeah, let's get the ball to Terry McLaren more. Um, with Carson as the quarterback, he finished weekly finish of 40th of wide receiver 40 in PPR scoring. So far, he's up to 20th per week with Heineke. Much, much better. Um, As soon as the... The Texans threw that pick six. I knew our Texans bat was just dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were in trouble on that one. You kind of hit the nail on the head. Gibson's looking a lot better. Robinson's just running straight ahead. He's really not finding the hole. He's just running in the back of the um, the offensive lineman, which is really weird to see because they, they switched the zone scheme that he was most familiar with coming out of college. So I'm a little surprised with how much that he's struggling. But let's face it, Gibson's not an everyday down back. He's like a functional guy, 15 touches, 12 to 15 touches a game, have it be in the receiving game or the uh, or with handoffs. He's not a guy that can take the pounding of 20 times. And I think they're finally starting to figure that out. Uh, you know, the defense is playing good, but uh, I kind of feel the commanders are a little bit overvalued. Yeah, uh, I believe they've covered, like, what is this, like four or five straight games in a row. I really expect more money to be coming in. I'm going to be looking to take the Falcons if this gets anything 
five or over right now that this dead number it's really uh it's really not a, a no buy for me i'm kind of sending this out because at the end of the day you really need to look yourself in the mirror and say can you trust tyler heineke laying over a field goal i can't and i'm going to look to fade him and you know i'll just kind of wait to see uh you know it's always good to kind of have a number in your head i had that with the falcons last week i said if the falcons get below three that's my buying point and once they got below three it happened live on the show that we do for btb that's when I hopped in. If this gets up to five or higher, I'm in the Falcons. But right now, this is a no-go for me. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I'll I trust Heineke at around a field goal-ish. I, I wouldn't want to trust him at a touchdown. So I think you're right in that in that range, right where we're at here. As uh, we go to Ravens and Jags. So Ravens are a four-point favorite on the road here. Baltimore is 7-3 and three this year, but they're 4-5-1 and one against the spread. Jacksonville 3-7 and seven straight up, 3-6-1 and one against the spread. The Ravens, they really didn't play very well last week. They slept, walked through a lot of that game and won. They ended up forcing three turnovers in the fourth quarter, and they scored 10 points off of that. The offense still just doesn't look very good. They've scored, they scored a total of 13 points. They only ran for 3.8 yards per carry, and they just don't have receiving options. It was veteran receiver Demarcus Robinson who had nine catches for 128 yards, and that was the highest receiving yards for a Raven player in a game since Marquise Brown had 147 back in week one of 2019. They, they do have the easiest strength of schedule coming up in the next four games. They're all against teams with losing records, and they faced one of the easiest schedules of pass defenses moving forward. So keep an eye on uh, Duvernay. On Monday, they mentioned that they need to get him more involved, and they play that easy schedule of pass defenses. I, th- I wouldn't be shocked to see him get a little more involved. They do have one defensive takeaway in 12 straight games. That's the longest active streak in the NFL, but a kind of a quiet injury that we didn't hear much about Stanley. You know, he had been playing at a really, really elite high level and their offense does, does not move nearly as well when he's not playing at that level. The Jaguars, they come off their bye. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, they played the chiefs. They did everything they could to try to beat them. They pulled off an onside kick to open the game. They recovered two fumbles and they were still down by 13 points at the end of the first half. Onside kick, two fumbles, and you're still down by two scores at the uh, at the end of the half. They missed a field goal. They had to settle for three points on the opening drive of the third quarter after driving all the way down to the four. Like, that's never going to work against KC. They got sacked five times, which is the most in Trevor Lawrence's career. But Kirk had a very good game. 105 yards, nine catches, two touchdowns. He ranks eighth in uh, DYAR and seventh in effective yards. And this is probably a pretty good spot for a a young team coming off a bye where you had a first year coach. And now he has a lot of film and a lot of game sample to see what worked and what didn't. I think this team will probably look pretty good, a a lot better maybe, and have some new wrinkles coming off their, uh, their bye here, Eric. So I'm on the Jag side at, at three and a half or over. It's at four right now. Ravens are a four point favorite on the road. Yeah, uh, you know, Stanley Hurt, uh, which is a big blow to this offense. The defense of the Ravens, I really truly believe, is a championship-level defense. Uh, offense just isn't clicking, um, which is a little bit surprising. I really think uh, this whole contract stuff is really weighing on Lamar with how he's playing on the field. Also, you know, Mark Andrews is banged up. With Andrews banged up, that really does hurt the passing game because he is the true number one 
Uh, they really don't have that wide receiver. I really thought they were going to try, try to make a play for someone to go after somebody, but they clearly didn't. Um, Harbaugh, four-point favorite or more. You know, he's only 48% ATS. Peterson, 71% ATS is a home favorite. Getting three or more, you know, he's uh, 71%, as I said. Uh, I would kind of lean the Jags here. But my issue with the Jags is this. I kind of feel they're so young and they're so poorly coached. It's going to, you, we got to kind of give Peterson a little bit more time. And next year is a year we're going to see him make this jump. I really thought it was going to be this year, but this team has so many bad habits and we've seen it. Um, you know, like the London game when they're up, they should have beat, they should have beat the Broncos in London. They didn't. There was that bad pick. Uh, I think they messed up by having Ian run the ball so much. I think he's, I said it on my stream, uh, a couple weeks ago. I think he's destined for an injury with how much they're running them. So, uh, I think they're a year away. I really feel that they're a year away till they get where they need to be. Let's go to Bears versus the Jets. We've got the Jets as a four and a half point favorite in here, uh, over under 39 and a half. We really don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for either of these so, two teams right now, right? Before like you go into this, I just want to tell you something that's gonna blow your mind. Okay. The last five games, no, let me big piggyback. You both we, we both agree that when when you think running mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, two of the top three names that come to the mind are Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, correct? Yep. And um the last five games, Justin Fields has had 80 carries. The last five. That's more than Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson have this whole season. That's cr- and, just, and, let and, that, and, just let that set in for a little bit, though. And what you ends up I mean? happening is it can't, it can't sustain, right? You can't take those kind of hits all the time. You can run in spots and you can carry a team and you can you can do it in big games. But if you do that week in, week out, you're going to get hurt. And that's the case right now with Fields. He's dealing yeah, with multiple, multiple injuries. Um, and the thing is with him is like the Bears have yet to have a 100-yard receiver this year. We're entering week 12. They haven't had their buy, and they have yet to have a hundred yard wide receiver. Just let that set in for a little bit. He, for how good he's been, if they're really going to make this next step, which I think they could make next year, he needs to start throwing the ball. Yeah. And and, and I will say, and I don't think it's his fault, right? I think they don't, I do think they were in a kind of a unique situation where offensively they've, they've for the most part been making the best out of their situation. Like, they have a bad offensive line. They don't really, they don't really have like playmakers for the wide receivers. So I think they've done a pretty good job. Like even recently, he's looked a lot more competent throwing the ball. Their their problem, I think, in these games, like this stretch of games, like man, they had, they've lost all these games where they've been playing well. They've lost four in a row and seven out of eight. And the the problem is the defense, Eric. You know, like in in those games. They, the guys they traded away could have made one or two plays that might have won any of those games for them. Like all of those games that they lost by maybe one possession or two. But I, I agree with you. They've been leaning on him a little too much. And this is what happened. Now he's banged up. And now Herbert's out. I mean, this has got to be a big Montgomery game. I think, again, Montgomery, he played 52 of 66 snaps. He had four targets, 17 carries. But they're going to probably have to lean on him even more in here. I just... I mean, I, I don't really have a play in this game one way or the other. The Jets, 
man, what's going on with Wilson is kind of crazy. Like they haven't committed to having him as their starter. After the game, he acted like it wasn't his fault. He's Did you hear some immature, of his comments? He was just yeah, like, he's, he's an immature kid. And you can kind of tell. I mean, I was loving this guy coming out. And this just blows your mind. If you just kind of think about it, think if the Jets would have drafted Justin Fields, most people had him going second, you would have the Jets right now. Their offense would be Tyler Conklin at tight end, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson as their wide receiver core, plus um, Denzel Mims, running backs, Michael Carter, and Priest Hall if he was still healthy. Think how good and how young that offense would be. It still blows my mind that they went with Zach Wilson instead of Justin Fields. And that's got to be one of the as much as as much as the Bears get stuff for Trubisky, you know, everyone had Justin Fields draft like stock pretty high. No one had Mahomes stock this high. Uh Deshaun Watson had that knee injury. And for as bad as Trubisky was, he still led him to two playoffs appearance and one division title. Wilson's going to be benched his second year. This has to be one of the biggest quarterback draft blunders in, in recent years. And let, let me just read this list to you, okay? Because I'm sorry. It seems to be like we're talking about a lot of stuff I've talked about. Absolutely. On my, on my show. This is a championship-level defense. And Wilson's not the guy. And with these young guys playing so well in defense, they're going to be on their second contract in a couple of years. You need to hit the quarterback position. With how good they are, they're not going to get – a young or a Stroud, they're not going to get one of those top draft picks. Here's the list of the free agents. Tell me, tell me out of this list who you think they go for. Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, Daniel Jones, Jacoby Brissett, Geno Smith, Lamar Jackson, and Taylor Heineke. These are the unrestricted free agents going into next year that play the quarterback. Yeah, it's not a very good list. I mean, I think there's no chance Brady goes to the Jets. I don't think they're going to go after Mayfield. There's no way they can make a return with Donald. Bridgewater's the backup. Yeah, Bridge. I think Geno stays. Brissett, no way. I think Daniel Jones stays. I think Lamar is going to stay in Baltimore. I think they're either going to overplay for Garoppolo or Heineke. The last week, the Jets and Wilson. He went nine of twenty-two for seventy-seven yards. He got sacked four times. There was bad wind, and he was all over the place. There were probably two interceptions that the Patriots dropped. This is the fourth time in the last five games where he hasn't even hit 155 yards. He's completed less than 56% of his attempts in four out of his seven starts this year. He's thrown for multiple touchdowns only one game, and he has four games this year without a touchdown pass. Now, Flacco, who started the first three games, has five touchdown passes, which is more than Wilson has in twice as many starts. But I will, will say one thing. I am going to have him in a in a Millie Maker lineup this week. Zach Wilson? Absolutely. Now, couple reasons couple reasons why. Well, nobody's going to have him in one. So I'm going to have him in one. But he has faced the toughest schedule of any quarterback by passing DVOA based on the defenses that he's faced. So, he actually has a higher passing DVOA than Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, or Mac Jones, the guy who he played. Better passer this year than all of them. The Jets have faced the hardest schedule of opposing pass defenses so far this year. In their remaining games, they play the 30th schedule of defenses overall. I think he's going to look a little bit better, which actually may not be good for 
them long term. If he looks like somewhat competent, then they may think like, oh, okay, maybe he's okay. He's not. This is this can't be your guy. But I actually think he's going to look a little bit better moving forward. Here's another quote for you that I figured you'd enjoy per football outsiders. Quote, Wilson is a blindfolded preschooler throwing lawn darts. The Jets would be better off lining up Michael Carter in the shotgun running the Wildcat every play than keeping him in the huddle. <laughs> That's 100, funny. 103 That's total funny. yards last week, 2.1 yards per play. They were 3 of 14 on third down. Uh, but the defense, like you said, they're good. They sacked Mac Jones six times, and they only allowed a field goal in 59 minutes. You're supposed to win that game. You hold your opposition to a field goal in 59 minutes of a game. You are supposed to win. They, I mean, they're just dead, like, towards the bottom in all of the offensive metrics. 30th in the league with passing yards per play. Only the Cardinals and Steelers are worse. They rank 29th in third down conversion rate. They, they were 17 total punts in the game. The Jets had 10 of those punts. They only had nine passing completions. They had more punts than they did passing completions in that game. I, I just I can't have a play on this one one way or the other because this might be at, at halftime. This might be Joe Flacco and Trevor Simeon going at it. Yeah, which would be awesome. Which would be absolutely awesome. Um, you know, we don't know what's going on. We don't know if Fields is going to play. That's that's the elephant in the room. That's of course that's going to affect a lot of stuff like how you do it. Um, can you really trust Wilson land points? I can't. Maybe if it goes to Flacco. Before they go to Mike White, the guy that beat the Bengals last year, maybe it goes down a little bit. Uh, Jets defense lights out. And, uh, yeah, they definitely got to make a change moving forward if they're legitimate. Because they're, they're doing way better than I thought they were capable of this year. But Their uh, defense is really good. Like, it's a legitimate defense. Their secondary is excellent. They put pressure on the quarterback. They've been in now two or three other games that they should have won, and they did not win just because they have zero competency from quarterback. And like we said, it's the attitude. It's not like this guy's coming out after the game like, man, I screwed up. I'm going to get better. We need to work. I'm sorry. We're working on it. He's like, yeah, screw this. I want to throw it more. Like, he, he doesn't seem like he gets it. Yeah, doesn't get it at all. And I'm going to say this. I'd be way more high on this team if they had Brees Hall. If this team had Brees Hall back there, I I would be a lot more on this team. But, yeah, uh, this is just a total stay away from me. I don't want anything to do with this game. Let's get to Bengals and Titans. So the Bengals are a short favorite on the road in here against the Titans. Cincinnati six and four straight up, seven and three against the spread. Titans seven and three straight up, eight and two against the spread. This was a rematch of the playoffs last year when the Titans were your number one seed and the Bengals went in on the road and defeated them. The Bengals last week were down by three at halftime to the Steelers, but they continue to throw the ball. And Burrow ended up with four touchdown passes, three of them to backup running back P. Ryan as Mixon had a concussion. Burrow was really good, and he's been very, very good without Chase. In three games, he has a 69.6 completion percentage, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, and one of them was that incredible play by Watt last week. Uh, Higgins had a massive game. He, at one point, Burrow completed 11 passes in a row, and he now ranks fourth in effective yards. The defense is being helped by Hendrickson. He has three and a half sacks over his last four games, seven quarterback hits, two passes defended, and 14 pressures during that stretch. Now, on the Titans side, gosh, they're such a fun team to just kind of watch and to back and to bet. The Titans, they've only allowed more than 17 points once 
in their last seven games. That was to Kansas City in an overtime game. So far this year, they allowed 40 to the Bills, 22 to the Raiders. Every other game has been 20 points allowed or less. And actually are coming off their highest point total that they've scored this year. It was the first time all year that they've scored a second. It's the first time all year they scored a fourth quarter touchdown. It was, it's absurd coming into that game. They'd only scored 12 combined points in nine fourth quarters. And they'd won seven of those last eight games. The only loss was to Kansas city in overtime. They've been without their pass rusher Landry. They haven't had good production from their receivers. The offensive offensive line hasn't been great. They're not even great against the pass. And they somehow still continue to win and cover because of freaking Vrabel. And they're a home dog here again. And they're going to have to try to throw the ball, uh, I think, in this one. Um, Tannehill, he completed 20% of his passes over expected last week. That was the highest in a game of any quarterback in the last three years with a minimum of 27, uh, 25 attempts. He earned a 97 next-gen passing score, which is the highest by any quarterback this year. Two big-time throws. Burks was the first Titan with six or more catches and 100-plus yards since A.J. Brown last year. And Vrabel, I mean, this is your guy, right? 22-12 and 12 ATS in his career as an underdog. 20 of those are straight-up wins. The defense is seventh in schedule-adjusted efficiency, and they're 12th in EPA per play. And, you know, they've had Tannehill issues. These two teams are both hot, though. They both were 0-2 to start. Titans have won seven out of eight. Bengals have won six out of eight. Total opposite style teams in here. I feel like you're probably on Vrabel, though. Home dog, revenge spot. You're starting to know my plays, man. Starting to know me really well. Um, There's just two guys, actually three guys. Shanahan, actually four guys. Sorry. Uh, Shanahan, Cliff, Vrabel, and Tomlin. These are the guys you fade as favorites, take as dogs. Um. You know, Vrabel is an insane 69% ATS as a home dog, 65% as a dog in general. But this is a stat that really jumped out to me. Extended rest, 10 games or more, he's 9-0 ATS on extended rest. Um, Tennessee, number one DVOA versus the run. Uh, For how many weapons that the Bengals have on the outside, Boyd, Higgins, Chase could be coming back 50-50 he's going to play. Uh, recording this on Tuesday, so we really don't know the practice report situation of the players yet. Um, 50-50 is going to play, and even if he does play, we really don't know what we're going to get from him. Mixon did exit that game early, uh, so the run game is going to be hurt with him not there. Then you factor in how good Tennessee is against the run. That's going to put more pressure on Joe Burrow. And they have Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons is one of the best players in the league that no one talks about. I think he's going to be able to get home get to the quarterback because Tennessee defense has steadily been improving every single week. I like the Titans here. Perfect revenge spot. Vrabel is a dog. I, I locked it in at one and a half. This is one of the bets I've actually locked in for this week. Let's go Broncos Panthers. We have the Broncos as a short favorite here on the road, two and a half point favorite over Carolina over under in this game is 36. You have Denver, who is three and seven straight up and against the spread. Carolina, three and eight straight up, five and six against the spread. Man, the Broncos have. So I, I thought you would like this stat. If the Broncos scored 18 points in every game this year, they would be nine and one. 18. That's yeah. it. That's it. We're not asking him to score 30. 
18 points, they'd be nine and one. They are dead last in the NFL in red zone trips, touchdowns, and red zone conversion rate. The offensive line is allow, allowed 11 total pressures. They've now lost six of their last seven. Russell Wilson has had one game this year where he's been a top 12 fantasy quarterback. One week. One week where he's finished in the top 12. He's had multiple touchdowns. One game. They had 123 yards on their final seven possessions. 3.3 yards per play. They had a 10-point lead, and they could not do anything to extend it. They had a chance to ice the game in the final series. It was third and 10. So these are the kind of things that that bother me um, and that concern me a little bit, Eric, is that physical stuff that happens, right? I mean, you get older, you get hurt. You can't control if you go to try to, you go to try to reach for it and it's not there. Nothing you can do about it. But mental stuff, that shouldn't go away. It's third and 10. They're coming out of the two minute warning. The Broncos are up by three. So third and 10, just run the ball run a play, take all the time off the clock. The Raiders had no timeouts. Instead, Russell Wilson throws a pass. What the hell are you doing on third and 10 throwing a pass? Just take a sack. Take a sack, punt the ball, 35 more seconds go. I mean, he just, he gave the Raiders a full extra 35 seconds. So they get the ball back with a minute and 45 seconds left. And it made things very easy for them. That's just like mental Stuff that's got nothing to do with physical, who your coach is, what your offensive line is doing, the weapons you have. That's you, Russell Wilson. You've you've done this. This is like Pop Warner stuff that they teach you. Don't throw the ball away there. Keep the clock running. Just take a sack. Yeah. I, I just can't trust either of these sides. I don't even know who the hell is going to play quarterback for Carolina. Baker has been so miserable um, this year. PJ will have a game where he looks competent. Like PJ at least tries to throw the ball down the field, but he's his floor is even worse than Baker's floor. Like when PJ looks bad, he looks worse of any of them. Maybe yeah. they just go to Sam Darnold. I just, I don't want anything to do with this game. They're eventually going to have to go to Darnold to see what they got. I don't think it's this game. I think they'll give him a couple weeks. Um, I think they want to put Darnold in, in a situation where he's not going to be playing against the top tier defense. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to say easier matchup because these are pro athletes playing at the highest level, but go throwing Darnold to the Wolves first game back isn't the answer uh the one thing that pj brings i in my eyes pj brings two things that baker doesn't uh his running ability with the ball and also i do feel he has um a connection with marshall i really feel baker really lacks a connection with any single um any single player uh sterling from silver star sports who was on my show last week he sent me a text message Earlier today, when I was driving to uh, back home in Michigan, he wanted for me and you. He said we were soft for not having the Panthers plus twelve in our plays last week. I know we so, thought about so yeah. He and you know props to him. He he was on my show last week. Uh, he gave it out, um, but he said that that you and I were soft for not having it. So uh, you know, uh, just him kind of razzing a little bit. Uh, Wilson forty four percent ATS is a road favorite, field goal favorite or less. 41%. Owen four is a fair with the Broncos this year. But we really like you hit the nail on the head. We really don't know what's going on with the Packers offense. Are the Packers offense going to be able to move the ball against this Broncos defense? I don't think so. And the Broncos are missing 12 starters. They've been, don't get me wrong, they've been an absolute train wreck. But any team missing that many starters from week one, you know, it's just kind of tough. 
Uh, Chase Edmonds gets a high ankle sprain, and then you cut Melvin Gordon. So the only back there is Marlon, Return of the Mac, and Latavius Murray. Those are the two backs. Obviously, Mac is is a shell of himself because of the injury. I mean, you kind of have to play Latavius Murphy, Murray in DFS this week just because he's the only option. He's the only ball game in town. Um, so, yeah, I, this is just a poorly ran organization that needs a complete facelift. And I kind of feel they sold their soul when they brought Peyton in to win that championship. And they just haven't. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just kind of feel like they're just going downhill. Uh, obviously, trading for Wilson was a mistake. Uh, I don't want anything to do with this game. The next game is a tough one for me, too, because, man, I really – I. I've wanted to to get excited about the Texans this year. They're one eight and one, but they're four five and one against the spread. Miami seven and three, five and five against the spread. Dolphins are thirteen point favorite in this game. The total is forty six, and like I don't think the Dolphins should be favored by this much. But Eric, there's just nothing about the Texans that like poor our guy Davis Mills. I liked him. He's just kind of becoming my Baker. Like I can't play him. Like I watch the He's games. Done. I can't play him like there. He is. He is so disappointing this year in every single way. And every, like, I think he's got, he's got, he's seeing ghosts. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he, he's got the, the yips and. I, I he's kind of in the same situation that Davis Mills is in. Not Davis Mills, Mac Jones. Uh, I mean, bringing in Pep Hamilton, come on. Yeah. But like there, there is no excuse why Pep Hamilton should be calling plays at the NFL level. I think that, uh, I think that's kind of hurt his development a little bit. Um, they, they in the first of, half last week, they had five drives in the first half that went for negative yards. Five, including an interception return for a touchdown. They had one first down in the first half. Pierce couldn't even run the ball at all. By the end of the game, he had eight yards on 10 carries. At the end of the first half, as a team, they had negative five yards. That was the lowest first half yardage of any team all season long. They finished with 148 total yards. And I just like, I don't think the dolphins are quite as good as their record would suggest. They, they're coming off a buy here. I don't really believe in their defense very much. I just, I don't really want anything to do with this game. I mean, I am probably going to be on the Texans just regretfully, uh, just kind of looking at it, uh, five game losing streak. That's what they're on. You're a road dog. You're fifty five percent ATS. Teams on a five game losing streak, getting over ten points, seventy three percent ATS. I really feel this number is just going to extend, just keep on growing, and then when it gets to that fourteen point, which I feel it's going to get to, then we have to invest in the in the tight in the Texans because I just don't feel this Dolphins team with, like you said, how bad their defense is, is going to be able to stop this Texans defense. Especially... I, think, I think I honestly would need 15. That would probably be my buy-in point. I still yeah, think I... I would need like two full more points. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's always, a, there's always a point, right? Like for every team, doesn't matter about what you like of them. There's always got to be a buy-in point for you. Yeah. This for is a every holiday game. weekend. This is a holiday weekend. There's going to be more gam- people gambling than normal. And there's going to be some advantages that we're going to be able to take advantage of. All Joe Public, everyone's rushing to go bet the Dolphins, and this I bet this number is going to get closer to 14, and then that's when you know I'll look to bounce. Uh, important to note that you know the Texans are god awful against the run. Since being traded, Jeffrey Wilson has out carried Mozart 26 to 17. 
Yeah. Um, I think we need to monitor, monitor that. I think he's kind of in a good uh, a good position to good system because uh, I was a San yeah. Francisco back Mike McDaniel. Yeah. He knows the the system very well. So I think that's kind of the back we need to kind of target in DFS, not Mozart. I think most people are gonna most people are gonna target because they feel like he's like the starter. So I think uh, I think we're gonna have to tread the different way and look to go after uh, after Wilson. So. We move to our next game. It's Tampa and it's Cleveland. The Bucks are a three and a half point favorite on the road at Cleveland Browns over under in this game. 43 Tampa is five and five straight up three, six and one against the spread Cleveland three and seven straight up four and six against the spread. Browns scored a touchdown to start the game. And following that on their next four possessions, punt field goal, fumble punt. They started the second half. They turned the ball over on downs. Then they missed a field goal. Then they punted. By the time they scored two late touchdowns, it was just to make the game seem closer than it really was. And their defense actually played pretty well, keeping them in the game early. But every time they made a play, the offense couldn't do anything with it. And, I mean, Stefanski, I'm just becoming more and more disappointed with him. You kind of hit on this way early that, is he really a good coach? I don't think so now. Because he doesn't put his players in the best spot to succeed. Like, Kareem Hunt is ranked He's running back 40 this year in PPR on a per-game basis. He has three double-digit games. They don't get him the ball at all. And It's they- kind of like he went to severe. Like, I've been saying forever they didn't give Chubb a ball, the Chubb the ball enough. It's kind of went too far the other defense. way. You know what I mean? They yeah, no, it did. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And, and, and it's not yeah. even that I wanted Hunt to get a bunch of carries. It's like, get him some targets. That's where you want Hunt in. For you know, for some targets, but I, I mean, I like I would lean Browns if I was going to play this game. I have others on my card that I like more than this. I would not be laying number because I think Tampa's starting to like get a little too overvalued right now too, and they really have not done much. Honestly, the one thing I do like coming out of this game, Peoples Jones, he's now had sixty or more receiving yards in his last five games, dating back to Week Four. He is eleventh in receiving yards per game among receivers in that time period that, you know, that had played at least six games. So he should match up pretty well with Tampa. Tampa ranks 23rd against wide receiver twos. So a good matchup for him. Um, You know, we saw Tampa coming off their bye. They won the time of possession. They ran the ball a lot better coming into that game. They were dead last in the league with rushing yards. And as a team, they ran for 161 and right white ran a lot better but that game against Seattle too was a little fluky. Like Seattle was driving. It was 14, three and they were about to make it 14, 10. They fumbled and Tampa went down and scored. And then all of a sudden it was 21 to three. Like it wasn't quite as dominant as the score might've suggested. I'm like, I think Tampa's a little overvalued right now too. Is this a spot that you can play them in or, or do you have any opinion in this game, Eric? Um, If this gets over the three, maybe a three and a half, I'll look. Weather looks pretty good. It's supposed to be 50. Uh, we're seeing right now on Betfred, three and a half plus three and a half. Okay. For, for so if I, if, I, if I see a three and a half, then I'll look to, I'll look, this is a number I look to buy in on. Um, You know, I get it. Brady extended rest, you know, he's 68% ATS, but when you get these small spreads, three, three and a half, he's only 14 and 14 at ATS. So on extended rest. So, you know what I mean? He's really not covering these smaller numbers on extended rest, uh, they are starting to get healthy. But at the end of the day, the thing with the um, 
the thing with the uh, the Browns is it all comes down to Garrett. If Garrett's able to get home, it just elevates this defense. Against the Dolphins, he wasn't able to get home. Against the Bills, he wasn't able to get home. If he's not able to get to the quarterback, the way this defense is built in the back four and the injuries they've had, they just can't cover anything. So that's basically what it comes down to to me. Uh, this Buccaneers defense isn't what it used to be back in the heyday with Sue and Vita Vera stopping the run. I think they're going to have success with the, with Chubb and everything. Um, yeah, I'd lean the Browns here. Like maybe if it keeps going up, I'll get invested. But again, man, like I, I have a lot of plays out there. I have a lot of plays circled. I just don't want to force anything. But yeah. uh, if this That's gets up the to four, yeah, yeah, I definitely like to get involved. Let's go Raiders versus the Seahawks. Raiders are a three and a half point underdog here. Seattle minus three and a half at home. Over under in this game forty seven and a half. You have the Raiders three and seven. Straight up four and six against the spread. Seattle six and four straight up six and four against the spread. Another big game for Adams last week. He had 141 of the Raiders' 307 passing yards. But keep in mind, I mean, they were down to a miserable Denver team late with a minute and 27 seconds left. They were down by three. They got the ball back. They had to go 71 yards on seven plays just to force overtime. And then they had to win it in overtime on a blown coverage play. No, they ran the ball better. They rushed for 100 yards. And as you were pointing out, Jacobs has really good success against Denver. But he leads the NFL in D in D, uh, DYAR, in effective yards, and in success rate. This was their first win for the Raiders this year in a one-score game. They were 0-6 in one-score games before that. So you know it's going to kind of even out a little bit. Carr actually has uh, the best winning percentage by any quarterback in overtime with 10 plus games. He's eight and two. He has led a game winning drive in 19 of the Raiders' 32 wins over the last five years. 19 game winning drives since 2018 are actually the most in the NFL. This week, it could be a good week for uh, Moreau and Hollins because Seattle is number 28 defending wide receiver number twos, and they're number 29 defending tight ends. I think I could look to play both of these guys in some DFS here. I don't really know if I have a play on this game one way or the other. You have Seattle coming off their bye. I mean, like, I think this number is kind of accurate. I actually think Seattle's the better team by like all metrics. You look at, they're a much better team. I'm not going to lay the number in here. This just kind of feels accurate for me. So I'll, I'll stay away from this one, Eric. Kind of want to take the over 47 and a half. Um, I just don't know how the Ravens team is going to get defense. The Seattle teams isn't world beater. Are we going to finally see Seattle come down to earth? Um, those are all kind of the stuff that's going through my head. Kenneth Walker should be able to run over this defense. Josh Jacobs should be able to run over all over this defense. Carr, 58% ATS as a dog. Carroll, 57% ATS um, against, I sorry, excuse me, on extended, extended rest. Um, it's just hard. Like, you know, we were on the Ravens last week. It was a great bounce back spot for them. They were able to get the cover at the plus three straight up win. But with how bad this defense is and how good the Seattle's offense yeah. has been. And they're off the bye. Just, they're yeah. a little extra rested. It it feels accurate, the number to me does. Um, yeah, that's I would I would definitely just lean to the um the over. I would lean to the over, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at just a couple DFS plays, maybe as I mentioned, maybe some uh, some of the Raiders wide receivers, and maybe and you hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, this year Josh Jacobs is having it's awesome. It's just been absolutely insane, and like it's driven his price up. Like they're going to have to pay him more than they initially wanted to, and um, 
yeah, just kind of, it's kind of funny. Like, you know, we, let's, if we rewind back to the uh, Hall of Fame game, he suited up for that game. And you had all these talking heads on, you know, fantasy touts and everything on Twitter and Instagram saying how Zahir White was going to be the number one running back. And, you know, it's just Josh Jacobs bet on himself. He's going to get paid. Good for him, man. Chargers versus Cardinals is our next game. We have the Chargers as a four and a half point favorite on the road playing Arizona. Both of these teams were in the night games last week. You had the Chargers who, again, a tough loss to Kansas City late on Sunday night. Arizona played a decent first half. They just got the doors blown off of them in the second half of that game. So they're a four and a half point favorite at home. Arizona is four and seven this year. They're five and six against the spread. Chargers are five and five straight up, seven and three against the spread. Keenan Allen returned. He had five catches, 94 yards. He did have a bad fumble late in the game. Williams returned, but then he had to leave again because of injury. It was a strong game for Palmer, who had eight catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns. Also, um, he had two receptions on two targets when aligned tight. So that shows that he can get open and he can make tough catches. So far this year, I thought this was kind of interesting for the Chargers. So far this year, they've played the easiest schedule of pass. Uh, they've played uh, the easiest schedule of pass defenses. Or so far this year, they played the toughest schedule of pass defenses. They played the easiest the rest of the way. They played the easiest schedule of run defenses. However, now they play a harder run defensive schedule along the way. So their team might look a little different because now they're going to be in games where they should have. Allen back. They should be able to throw the ball more, but they're playing against teams that are going to be tougher to run on. So don't be surprised if you see Herbert have a pretty good second half of the year. I just think they may look differently coming up. Only the Steelers have faced a harder schedule of opposing offenses. So their defense should appreciate some of the relief it's getting. I mean, think about it. They've played the Chiefs twice, right? Yeah. So for them, right off the bat, that's not easy to have to do in the first you know, eight to nine games of your season. I don't really know what to take out of that game for the Cardinals, the Mexico City game. Maybe McBride. I mean, he had four targets. He caught all of them. Keep an eye on him. I think you pointed him out. In the second half, they ran 32 plays for 129 yards. 4.03 yards per play. They turned the ball over on downs twice. They punted twice. And the last possession was an interception. Yeah, it's it's just, just, yeah, it wasn't good. A couple things. Number one, I think it really hurt with um, Rondell Moore going down insanely early like he did. Um, that was a big blow to them. Uh, and I heard a story was... about Rondell Moore. So um, in uh, one of the, the shows I was listening to was doing like a fantasy recap over the weekend. And they, uh, somebody had asked them, they were playing in a game and they were down by, uh, or they were up by one point going into the Monday night game. And the only player they had left was Rondell Moore. And they said, should I play Rondale Moore? Um, and I, I think it was like it was like 0.5. They said, no, you always got to play someone because you never know the stat correction. Rondale Moore had one catch for negative yards and he got a negative score. So he lost people their league because he played. If you just would have not played him, you could have won your matchup. But you figure, you know, I'm going to throw him in because if Rondale Moore gets a catch for two yards and he has two points and I get a stat correction, and I lose a point, at least I get it back. But the guy got screwed, and he ended up losing because of what happened with Rondale Moore. That was one of the worst beats I can remember hearing. I mean, I... Yeah, 
like I, I always do that fantasy football slate. And I mean, I had Jimmy G in my captain spot. That was 38 points. Uh, Kittle, 22 points, more negative points. So, I mean, like it was, it was brutal. I, I got, you know, I was bitten by it, but it's, you know, one of those things, uh, it's really tough to do anything in this game when you really don't know the quarterback situation with the, uh, with the Cardinals. Is it going to be Kyle? Is it going to be Colt McCoy? Uh, I don't know where Robbie Anderson is. He seems like he's just disappeared. He's a complete non-factor in that offense since being traded. And it kind of shows like what a bad move it is that they actually did give up assets to anything. get him when they give probably, up anything for him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, just an awful move. Um, Kingsbury, he's 38% ATS at home, which kind of stick out, but he is over. I for, I don't understand in front of me. I'm sorry. Um, He's like over 69% ATS against coaches that have not won a Super Bowl. Um, this is kind of a stay away from me. Chargers do need to get this game. Chargers are kind of in a – with how good the AFC is, Chargers really can't afford to dump many games. No, and, and you know what? The rumor is, is that that's where Sean Payton wants to go. Oh, if, I could see it. Right? If, if Dude, if you're the Chargers and you don't make the playoffs this year and you've got Herbert, do you say, hey, Stan, hey, you know, sorry – we, you know, we gave you a shot. Like, I don't even think he's a bad coach, but if you're not winning and you've got a guy like Peyton out there who wants to come in and work with someone like Herbert, I think you you got to go do that, right? I mean, you obviously do. He's a proven winner. You have to go get it. I mean, he got a little stale toward the end of the season. Um, it's going to be interesting because you really don't know in terms of, like, draft capital what they'll have to give up because I do know he's still in a contract with them. Like, maybe that'd be mm-hmm. a pick or two. I think that'd be worth it though. Um, I do too. You know, they are kind of, they are kind of building like New Orleans West out there with, uh, with what they're doing. They have their old offensive line coach. They have Lombardi out there as offensive coordinator. I think one of their big issues is, is I was kind of looking at it. They just don't do enough on the first downs. And um, I can't, I'm at my sister's place right now or where I am, the internet doesn't work. But Herbert is only covered one second half spread. So maybe that's an angle we can look to take advantage of uh, fading them in the second half because they're just not covering second half numbers with how bad that defense has been. But, you know, this is a game of the pass for me. I really don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I agree. As uh, we continue along, and I, I really don't know what to do with this next game either, to be honest. This is a huge number, but we don't know. Like for the Rams, Stafford cannot play in this game. There's no way. That was a another concussion he was in concussion protocol i just don't know why you'd even want to put him back out there cups done for the year now the positive for the rams who come into this game at three and seven two seven and one against the spread the chiefs are eight and two three six and one against the spread is that the rams actually ran the ball better last week that's a positive they did rush for a season high 148 yards 4.9 yards per carry acres had 14 carries for 61 yards but, man, this is the first time under McVay they've lost four straight games. This is a massive, massive number. I just don't want to touch it. Like, I would never lay it with the Chiefs. No way. But I don't know how the Rams are going to score at all right now. I just don't. I, I really don't want anything to do with this. Mahomes is 13-7 and seven in his career when he's been trailing at halftime. No other quarterback since the 1970 merger has a record over 500 when they're trailing at yeah. halftime in a minimum of 10 games. They're 4-0 this year, and they have a three-game lead in the AFC West. Pacheco last week, we called that My one. Boy. 15 carries, 107 yards, 7.1 yards per carry. 
Kelsey was awesome. This year in the red zone, he has 15 catches. 10 of them are touchdowns, and two of them are first downs, <laughs> which is just nuts. And their offensive sack rate, 4%. It's second in the NFL um, between the offensive line and Mahomes just being smart and avoiding sacks. They, they're they just a good football team right now. They look like one of the best football teams and you know, probably the most consistent, confident you could be about a team. But like everybody's starting to talk about them. They're going to be a little bit overvalued. I just... I'll play against them maybe in one of the weeks coming up. I even with my Rammies, I just I just can't do it here. I, I don't see how the Rams move the ball. They just they have not been able to. Can they run the ball maybe a little bit and try to make this a game? I just I'm staying away, Eric. Yeah, I mean it's really we don't know what's gonna happen with the Rams quarterback room. Uh we don't know if it's gonna be Woodford, Wolford, or whatever his name is. Is it gonna be the kid Perkins? Perkins does bring a little a lot, actually a lot more with uh with his running capability. Uh, interesting move. Uh, they trade, they released Daryl Henderson today's Tuesday. I got the alert that they released him today. That was kind of an interesting move. I honestly didn't see that one coming. Um, maybe that opens up the door, uh, for Karen Williams. He did have six targets last week. I'll be looking to him, play him in DFS. Uh, he's going to be around five to one to score a touchdown. This chief's defense for as good as our offense has been. This chief's defense isn't that good. So maybe you can get him to score a touchdown. That'd be the only way I'd look here. Um, you know, I hope the people listening uh, after week one, I told everyone to play Mahomes at seven to one to win MVP. He's now minus one fifty to win it. Hope some of you guys tailed that, and I hope some of you guys tailed that. Um, what was that future under eight fifty for uh, Cam Akers rushing yards? That that one's looking pretty good too. Yeah, I think you're good there. As we move to. <sighs> Saints. Hey, buddy. You know what? I never get too cocky, man. No, no, no. But that's you know, yeah. like you said. See, these crazy things could happen, but it's a great call. Never get too. Never get great too call. cocky, man. Let's get to Saints 49ers. This is the team that I want to play. I, they're the new team that I'm going to pick on now. The 49ers. Uh, they're a good football team, but they're way too overvalued. Even the other night, I think they were a double digit points favor in that game. They caught a really big break early in the game when a ball bounced right off of the receiver's hands into their arms for a, a return touchdown. The 49ers defense is very good. I still have major concerns about who they are as a team. Okay, they've beat one team this year with a winning record, the 49ers. They have the third lowest strength of victory in the NFC. So the defense has feasted on inferior offensive opponents. Last week, they played McCoy, backup quarterback. Two weeks ago, they played the Chargers, who didn't have any of their receivers and were missing a bunch of their defense also. They played the Rams twice, and the Rams might be the worst offensive team in the league. They played Carolina and Denver. Think about that. L listen to the schedule for the 49ers this year. Week one, they played the Bears, and they lost. Remember, that was that monsoon, but that was when the Bears were awful, and that was before the Bears' offense actually looked good. Then in week two, 49ers beat Seattle, but what's funny, that was before Seattle started looking really good. But but we'll give the 49ers that win. Then the 49ers lose to Denver. They lost to the Broncos. Then they come back, they beat the Rams, they beat the Panthers, they lose to Atlanta, they lose to the Chiefs, they win against the Rams, Chargers, and Cardinals. So here are their six wins this year. They've come against the offenses 
that are ranked number 7, 25, 30, 25, 24, and 29. They've played one game against an off. They have won one game against an offense that ranks top 10, and that was against Seattle in week two. They are beating up on bad offenses, and that makes their defense look a lot better than it is. Do they have a great defense? Sure. Was that? I mean, they played the Chargers when the Chargers were banged up. They played the Cardinals with McCoy. They, they, the, the good offenses that they've played, here they are. Seattle, that was in week two when Seattle really hadn't figured things out yet. They played Atlanta, who's number 12 on in offensive DVOA. 49ers lose to Atlanta. They play the number one offense, the Chiefs. They lose. Anytime they play these good offenses, they lose. I is that's that's my only concern though. There is this the off is this a team like the Saints? Did they have the offense that can beat them? No. But I'm going to look to play against this 49ers team throughout the year, Eric, because I just think they're overvalued right now. Um, I I just don't know what to do with the Saints. They come off a nice win, and what I what I was impressed with at least last week. They put the ball in the hands of their playmakers. Olave had 102 yards. They got Landry involved. He had three receptions. Kamara had 16 touches for 89 yards. They got Hill the ball, 10 touches for 60 yards. And your boy Johnson, you mentioned Johnson would have been a good play. Fifth straight game with a touchdown. He's becoming a very reliable target. I'll say this. If you guys aren't following him and his wife on TikTok, you're missing out. I mean, the stuff they do is absolutely hilarious like she does this one where like I, i'm not even gonna get into it but it's pretty funny it like they basically mock everything everyone says about an nfl wife if that makes sense and they play it off great nice um in terms of this game you know they got they got miami on deck that's kind of a big game you know they just are coming back from mexico a little bit of a weird travel situation uh you know teams um that won by 28 points or more that are favorites the next game. You know, that's kind of where the 49ers won. They just won 38 to 10, only 47% ATS. Shanahan, favorite, 39%. Home favorite, 39%. Uh, favorite of seven or more, 38%. Um, I want to fade the 49ers here, just on the Shanahan principle of him constantly not covering. Uh, I want to know if Cam Johnson's coming back, the defensive lineman for the Saints. I kind of got to see what he's going on. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like the, I like the Saints here. Saints are going to be on my card, but, uh, what is that? What is it at now? Nine. Seven, nine. nine. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. If this gets up to 10, this is a buy. San Francisco's a little overvalued. That's what I mean. They're, like, yeah. they're but good. I will say this, like a couple weeks ago, I came on your show and I was like, guys, like, and I don't know, I kind of pride myself at trying to be ahead of the curve. Like Absolutely. I said, I said like a couple weeks before the, for the Washington game, I was like, guys, like Eagles can't stop the run. Uh, we need to look to see who are the, who is the team in the NFC that can come in in a cold Philadelphia day and beat them running the ball. I said, take the 49ers here. I think it was at like eight or nine to one to come out of the, of the um, NFC and just to put a small future on them to win it all. Now that they're the betting, they're the second favorite to win the NFC now. So, I mean, it's just kind of one of those buying points, but I agree with you. I think this is a selling point of the 49ers, them covering this big number, especially after winning on Monday Night Football in Mexico, a little bit inflated primetime game, um, you know, and just the Shanahan treads of, you know, him not covering. But uh, I got to see if Cam Johnson's there. If Cam Johnson's there, that, that disrupts this 49ers rushing attack a little bit more. 
So I'll look into that. And I'll say this, I was on the 49ers futures at the very beginning of the year. I was really touting them not to make the playoffs uh, under, I believe it was under 11 wins. But my main reason for that is because I had absolutely no faith in um, Lance. Uh, what's his face? Yeah, in Lance. Lance. And I really feel like if this was Lance, if Lance was there, this team, this team would be completely and utterly different. And they'd be oh, struggling yeah, they, a little bit. They look a lot different. And they're, and the thing is, their offense still isn't that good. Like, they're really not for a team that has all the playmakers and weapons. They still struggle in spots offensively. That's what worries me. And it's almost like they got a, a, so many weapons now that they have to, like, make keep everybody happy. Okay, let's give McCaffrey a few. Let's give Debo a few. We don't forget about Kittle. Whoa. But then yeah, I use there, that. too, you know? Like, I mean, like, Kittle last week, everyone was um, – he got a little testy with not getting the ball and everything. And, um, you know, they gave him the ball. He had two touchdowns. So we kind of have to kind of pay attention to that about who's bickering and everything. And, uh, the, you know, was it the squeaky wheel gets the ball? Is that the, is that the saying? Um, yeah. The squeaky wheel gets yeah. the grease. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It gets the grease, but, uh, yeah. I mean, this team's got some holes. I did see something, um, online. Someone said that, the move to get McCaffrey was more about next year when they're going to try to lure out Tom Brady there. What do you think of that? Oh, okay. Thinking ahead. Maybe, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Because they said Brady needs a pass catching back. Yeah. And, and Brady would, I'm sure would love him just to dump off to all the time. I mean, it would be a great fit and perhaps that's the plan for them. We have uh, two more games to discuss on the tw- the week 12 slate. Let's talk Sunday night and Monday night football. Packers, Eagles, Packers, four and seven straight up, four and seven against the spread. Eagles, nine and one straight up, five and five against the spread. Packers came back to life because they're really not a good football team. They're just not. They had a great spot a few weeks ago against Dallas, but then last week, Thursday night football, they played against the Titans, and the Titans kind of beat them up. Passes of 15 plus yards through Thursday night football quarterbacks that have more yards per attempt than Rogers, Carson Wentz, Zach Wilson, uh, Mac Jones, Marcus Mariota. Unbelievable. Last week, they tried to sell out to stop the run against the Titans because the run defense for the Packers has been bad. And then the, the Titans threw the ball all over them. They passed for 320 yards against the Packers defense. It's actually pretty good against the pass. They're fourth in the NFL in passing yards allowed, but you know what? I dove into that more. That's deceiving, Eric. The only reason why the Packers have a good metric in passing yards allowed is because they've been down in all of their games and teams run on them. You don't have to pass the ball against them when you're playing them because you just run, 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 then you get up and you just keep running. So, you know, that's that's why they have a lower metric in that particular statistic. If they just try to run the ball, they're good. They're 3-1 and one this year when they run for 120 yards or more. When they don't, they're one and six. That's pretty simple. Rodgers is 13 and two in his past 15 primetime games. On the flip side, you have the Eagles. They had two turnovers in their last game. They've looked really flat over the last few weeks. They lost a time of possession battle. They could not get much going on the ground with just four yards per rush. And the defense, they were bad on that first drive, but it did look like the signings of Joseph and Sue should really help them stopping the run, Eric, because after that, they, they brought two guys in who probably haven't even practiced with their team. And the run defense was so bad on the first drive, they just said, screw it, we're going to put these guys in. And they did pretty well. 
the rest of the game, they um they only allowed 99 yards rushing to the Colts and 3.8 yards, 35 yards on 15 carries in the final 10 drives from Taylor. And they came back from 10 points down in the fourth quarter. They're gonna they're just kind of in that sleepy spot, I think, in the middle of the year where you win a bunch of games and now they're trying to figure things out without Goddard, who was a big part of their offense. Smith was uh was nice to see. He actually got an uptick. He had nine targets. I think he may be someone you want to throw into a captain spot or two. Talk to us about Eagles Packers. Eagles are a seven point favorite here over under 46 and a half. Um, I'll be the first to admit it when I'm wrong. And I was wrong on Hertz. I mean, that the one thing when I rewatched the Colts game um, yesterday was he has it, man. He looks confident and you he, can kind of tell yes. he's in, in control of the of situation. The he's just a he's football calm. player, right? Like he he's, understands yeah, what to do. He's a winner. He he has it, dude. He, yep. like, he legitimately, he has it. Totally agree. I was completely, completely wrong on him. I completely whiffed on him. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a hiccup in the season. All these teams have it. They're finding ways to win, which I think is good. Uh they need to start to get more from Miles Sanders, I feel, a little bit. I feel like they're not getting enough from him in the running game. Uh, obviously, losing the tight end, Dallas Gover, that's a big thing because he's such a big focal point of the offense. And I think this will be a focused Miles Sanders game, right? Like a get Miles yeah. Sanders right game because Green Bay is not very good against the run. I could see them trying to lean on him here after a couple quiet weeks. Exactly. I uh, I would use him. In uh, in terms of DFS, but I'll be honest, like there's nothing. I'll probably look at his his over prop will probably be juiced up. Maybe a Kenneth Gainwell over total yards prop. I'd look into that, but anything else, it's really really hard to hard to get invested. Let's finish up, Eric, with Monday Night Football. We've got the Steelers, we've got the Colts, and the Colts are a two and a half point favorite in this game. They are home over under thirty nine. Pittsburgh is three and seven straight up, four five and one against the spread. Colts four six and one straight up five and six against the spread. The Colts played really well last week. They allowed just over three hundred total yards to the Eagles. They forced forced turnovers. They controlled the line of scrimmage. They picked up three sacks. They held Eagles running backs to just fifty five yards on seventeen carries. They had a nice opening drive to score a touchdown, but following that, they only had one drive that went for over thirty two yards. Matt Ryan took a bad sack in the red zone. There was a missed face mask call that cost them some points. The offensive line wasn't very good. They gave up four sacks, eight penalties for 90 yards. That really hurt in a close game. They were two of, so far this year, they are two of 10 on fourth down. That is dead last in the league at 20%. One thing I'm going to look for them to do this week is target Pittman. Pittman is seventh among wide receivers this year with 92 targets. What number would you say he is in red zone targets? So he's seventh overall in targets where would you guess he was in red zone targets um i i don't know off the top of my head 63rd 63rd and he only has one touchdown the steelers have allowed a league leading 22 passing touchdowns this year i think it could be a good spot for him to get into the end zone i think they'll try to focus on that for him i don't really know what to take out of the steelers right now i mean they're they're just like a very Typical Steelers-Tomlin team. They're overachieving. They don't have the offensive weapons, and they don't really have the offense anymore. Pickens looks good. Pickett focuses in on him. Like, he gets a lot of the targets there. And Watt picks this team up. They're much more competitive with Watt around. Watt made a fantastic play last week. One of the best interceptions you'll see 
Um, and Burrow was like, what the hell did he just do? He like snagged it out of the air. I, it was absolutely insane. It was I crazy. Mean, that was, it was insane. Um, look, this is just a Tomlin spot. You know, he's uh, 58% ATS as a road dog, 57% ATS after, after a loss. Um, you know, and we've mentioned it. I've mentioned it before. You know, teams after playing the Eagles, 37% ATS. Physical game, teams aren't covering. Um, I like the Steelers here. I locked it in at three. You know, you you uh, you mentioned the um, Jeff Saturday. You know, we got Jeff Saturday against Mike Tomlin. Are you kidding me right now? Like yeah. that's and let's give let's give credit advantage. where credit is due. So far, Jeff Saturday has done pretty well. But I completely agree with you. I think this is but this is different. It, like it kind of goes back to something I mentioned on here before with Arthur Smith. Most of the coaching is kind of I don't want to use the term like good old boys club but it kind of is you know what i mean yep and the fact that saturday's kind of been able to uh come in here and kind of just been like you know what hey this is what we're gonna do it shows you that it's not rocket science right yeah if you just play simple and smart you can be competitive i'm not saying you and i can go out there and coach a team that's going to you know win the super bowl but i bet you with just a couple good heads on their shoulders there could be more competent people that come off the streets than some of the staffs there. Honestly, honestly. Yeah, it just, so yeah, it just blows my mind. You know, I absolutely, I absolutely love, love him. And it's just primetime dog Tomlin. This is what he does, man. 67% ATS Monday night football as a dog. You know, he just covers as a dog. He gets his team to overachieve and everything. Steelers are kind of not Colts are kind of playing over their head in my eyes. You know, you, it's still Matt Ryan. Is Matt Ryan going to have the escapability of Joe Burrow with Watt getting in his face, with Hayward getting in his face? Um, Colts really don't have the, you know, even though Chase wasn't there, I think Higgins and Pittman are on the same level. Um, I don't think Pierce is near Boyd. I don't think Moali Cox is near Hayden Curse. I think the Bengals had a little bit more skilled playmakers that were able to take advantage of the Steelers. Uh, Holes in the Steelers' defense. Uh, Najee Harris is looking a lot better. Pickens is developing into an alpha right before our eyes. So I like the Steelers here. Um, and something I'm looking to do is I'm looking to uh, target guys to score, just score an anytime touchdown who have the most receiving yards or the most scrimmage yards. Uh, last week, you know, I was able to hit Dante Peoples Jones at, at a like a juicy plus three fifty. He had the most uh, most yards without scoring a touchdown. Now it's Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is the most lead, most yards in the lead without scoring a touchdown. I'll kind of look at his uh, touchdown props. If it's anything over three to one, I'll look to lock that in. We got Lions plus nine and a half, Giants plus nine and a half, Vikings minus two and a half, Steelers plus two and a half, and Saints plus nine for our five. Sounds good, my man. Eric, buddy, I'm very thankful for a friend like you. It's Thanksgiving week. It's been a couple years now where you have been a huge part of this show. Um, I learn a lot from you. I know that no matter what we're talking about, you always put in the work, college basketball, college football, and uh, NFL, NBA, anything at all that you're going to discuss. I know you're going to put the time and the effort in. You're investing your own money. You put your money where your mouth is and you become a really good friend and you are a damn good handicapper. And man, you do a great job. Working hard, promoting your stuff. I see your following on social media keeps getting bigger and bigger, and I'm very lucky to have you as a friend. So Thanksgiving week, I'm thankful for you helping us out on That's What G Said, my man. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. You know, uh, it's been like two years now, two or three years, you know, considering you and friends. You know, 
I vent to you a lot about stupid shit that's pissing me off. I appreciate <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I do the same. We have uh, <laughs> uh, and you know, just kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, you're always a good, uh, you know, bouncy board for ideas I have. So I appreciate you. Thank for, you know, thank you for letting me, you know, be part of everything. You, you know, you opened a lot of doors for me and I appreciate that. Make sure to give Eric a follow at etof 21 on Twitter. Eric from etof 21 Sports. You can find him all over social media. If you follow him on Twitter, you can get links to everything on YouTube, Instagram, all of his other stuff there. Podcast that comes out every Tuesday. Another one that will come out on the weekend. Daily video plays all over the place. Um, all, video streams with XFL Gym a lot of the times. Uh, we've been doing our... Um, Twitter spaces. We're not, are we going to, we're going to take that one off this week for Thanksgiving. Yeah. We'll, bring, we'll come back next week yeah. for that one. Okay. Yeah, I just we'll figure. circle back next week. Yep. Yep. So circle next week we'll be week. back yeah. on Thursday at two o'clock PM Eastern time, just a little 10, 15 minute Twitter space to preview the Thursday night football game. Buddy, you have a great weekend with your family. Um, you and I will still be talking. We've got college football to discuss, and then we'll be on the, the BTV bet show on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock AM Eastern time. But again, one more time, a big thanks to you and have a nice holiday with your family. Thanks, you too, man. That's Eric from Etoff 21 Sports. Week 12 NFL. Folks, stay tuned. We've got a lot more to come on That's What G Said. If you're watching on social media, thanks so much for hanging out. We'll have another one of these next week where we go over all the games. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering. 
multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. In a big Black Friday sale right now at Daily Racing Form, DRF.com, you can save 20% on select DRF products with the coupon code BLFR. 22 so blfri 22 so it's like black friday 22 and uh, if you go to drf.com and you use that promo code it'll get you 20 percent off the packages of drf formulator pps you can get the classic past performances you can get the drf clocker reports you can get the digital paper the exact replica of the print edition of the daily racing form you can get picks and drf plus pro everything you need there and this goes all the way through November the 28th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. So make sure to take advantage of the sale right now. If you know you're going to be using these products, save money over the next few days. Maybe you purchase some of these for a, a friend or, or someone that you know will inc- will use them and will enjoy them. Check out the Daily Racing Form Past Performances and the DRF Shop this week. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Fantasy style horse racing contest. Think about how you normally play DFS with you know DraftKings or FanDuel. That's what you're doing here. You're having to build a lineup about on one card on one day at one track and because of that salary cap format you can't just pick the favorites in every single race you really have to handicap you have to pick some horses that are going to be outside of the box and it makes you a better handicapper playing stable duel you can win a bunch of money for very very small entry fees on thursday you can play at laurel park in a game that just costs you two dollars to enter and you can also play at del mar into a five dollar game or into a fifty dollar game the thanksgiving family turkey fight a $5 single entry game there on Thanksgiving Thursday. Remember, every Friday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, we have a weekend preview show where we give out all the information about which contests you can play. Even if you're not you know, going to play in those stable duel contests, which you should, you should still tune in and watch our show because we just give out best bets. Once we give you the details about Stable Duel, all it is is just a handicapping show where we dive into past performances, Matt DeSantis, Barry Spears, and myself, and it's the no-chalk zone. We only give you big prices, 5 to 1 and up. Let's continue talking some racing. Let's give you some best bets for Thursday, for Thanksgiving Thursday. Let's go to Fairgrounds. They have the Thanksgiving Classic, that stakes race there. But before that, let's get a couple other best bets. Let's go to race number 5. I'm looking at the number seven in here. It's wild again. Key off this horse's race is going long on the fast dirt. So he's raced six times in his career. In his debut, he sprints. 
It's on an off track. He comes running late. Then in his second start, he gets to go long on the dirt and he wins. They actually thought so much out of that race that they put him in against Stakes Company in his third start. Well, he didn't have the best of beginnings. That race came back very, very strong. And he had some sort of an issue because he didn't run from March all the way to August. He shows back up in August. His first two races are on the turf. And then he got back to the dirt last time out, but it was on a sloppy racetrack. And he was actually favored in that race. With a couple other horses that show some speed in here, it should set up well for a horse to come running. And his A game is certainly capable of being competitive with this group. 8-1 to one on the morning line, anything over 5 will make a win wager there. Fairgrounds, race number 5, the number 7, it's wild again. 8-1 to one on the morning line. We move to race number 6, and I'm looking at the number 5 in here, Notion. This is just a horse who's proven with speed and the blinkers going on. Two sprints to a route, stretching out. I feel like he's the one to catch in here. There's nobody else that's shown they want to be close up early, and you have a couple first-time starters. I think Notion will uh, come out a run-in in here. 7-2 to two on the morning line. Anything over 5-2 to two will make a win wager. Maybe you key in on exotics. And then we move to that Thanksgiving, the eighth race. It's the Thanksgiving Classic, a six-furlong sprint race, $175,000 purse. I like the three surveillance. He's pretty versatile. He had a slow start in his most recent race. He was last. He was inside, and he was about five lengths off, and he was behind horses. And he just ran into some traffic when he started to really move well, and it was hard for him to get going again. Surveillance. The number three, he's nine to two. If we can get anything around seven to two, we'll make a win wager there. Three plays for you on Thursday over at Fairgrounds. Let's go to Churchill Downs for Thursday. Let's move to Churchill. Let's look at race number eight here. We'll go to a mile and a sixteenth on the main track, an optional eighty, non-winners of two. I like the eight in here a little bit. Lady Frosted. I think you can just toss those last two races on the turf. They took a shot there on the grass a couple times. She's not quite as good on the turf and let's go back to the race in June at Churchill Downs against similar company behind Microcap and Powder River Lady Frosted had a good start and then took back and she loomed up at the top of the lane and she was right up into contention it was a solid third that day going a mile and an eighth in a similar type spot against similar type company and she should be a better price than both of them who will probably be half of her price and she's right there with them but because she has a couple lackluster efforts on the grass in her last couple that you you may be able to get more value on her here that's the number eight lady frosted she's eight to one anything around five would feel fine as we move to race number nine i'm looking at the six in here this is a maiden special weight for two-year-olds they'll go six furlongs on the main track i like the six dakota run who's cutting back and i'm just hoping they send hard in here third start of the form cycle he's flashed speed in both of his last two but they kind of sat a little last time out and in a race where you have a lot of first time starters like this and of the horses who have run they haven't shown speed i would love to see dakota run handled aggressively be able to get the lead on the cutback could be very tough to catch in here Five to one on this one. Anything over seven to two will make a win wager. Let's move to race number ten. I'm looking at the number three in here. This is Moon Swag. So this is the Grade Three Falls City, going a mile and an eighth for Phillies and Mares three-year-olds and up. Moon Swag had a long layoff to deal with in her three-year-old season, and 
Earlier in the three-year-old season, she tried against Clarier and Malafot. She just found them a little too tough at that point early on in the year. And she was off for a full year. She came back and she raced very well. She didn't earn like a, a huge figure in winning that race, but I, I feel like she projects to get a really nice trip in here and could take a big step forward. Second start off the long, long layoff. The number three, Moon Swag. I think she has a big shot in there. She's five to one on the morning line. I wouldn't want to take too much shorter than that on her, right around four to one or so. Let's get to Churchill Downs' 11th race. Let's look at the number seven in here, Sunny One. This is the grade three Cardinal. They're going a mile and an eighth on the turf. And Sunny One is just in really nice form. The two-back race, the race at Kentucky, she was behind Delica. She was fifth in between horses, and she was about three lengths off. But Delica was loose on the lead that day. And Sunny One lost a three-way photo on the wire for third. It was a pretty good effort, and one that's a little better than it might look on paper. I like the seven, Sunny One, who was eight to one on the morning line. Anything around five will make a win wager there. So that's Thursday over at Churchill Downs. A couple Thanksgiving Thursday plays for you. Let's move to Del Mar. Get you a couple Del Mar Thursday plays. Del Mar will look at races one, six, and eight. In the first, I like the number three, Storming Chrome, who's going to be making his second start. Now, in his debut, he showed a little bit of early positional speed, but he exits a very strong race. Find a horse named Hopkins, who has earned big figures in a couple of their starts so far. The runner-up in that race came back to win a maiden special weight next out, also earning a big buyer speed figure. Storming Chrome will now try the turf. Dam tried the turf three times, and all of those were stakes races, so she didn't win. But she has produced four winning turf foals. And I think Storming Chrome will enjoy the slight cutback to five furlongs in here. I'm giving this guy a big look at anything over seven to two. He's five to one on the morning line. Let's move to race number six on the Delamar Thursday Thanksgiving card on November the 24th. I'm looking at Queen of the Temple. This is the grade three red carpet. They're going a mile and three eighths on the turf here. And Queen of the Temple is really one of the more proven horses going longer this distance queen of the temple has been going in these route races two starts back that effort would be really really competitive here this is a horse who was good going a mile and a half in the santa barbara and honestly in her most recent race she was just settled towards the back she was chasing lone speed and she never just never had a chance with the race shape there i think it's a better spot for her here queen of the temple Second start back off the short little break. She's 6-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over 4, we'd make a win wager. Throw her in all of your exotics as we move to race number 8. Maiden special weights going 5 furlongs on the turf. I like the number 3, Golden Temper. Golden Temper is a Carla Gaines 2-year-old filly who is now going to be cutting back a bit, but she should take a big step forward. In her second start, Carla Gaines is not one that gets him cranked to win first time out, and I'm expecting this one to take um, to show major improvement. They're actually moving from Calbreds into Open Company, so they feel very good about the prospects of Golden Temper showing up with the big effort in here. The number three, who is 12 to one on the morning line, that is Delmar Thursday. A couple best bets for you as we move from Thursday. And we'll move on over to Friday. But before we do, we want to let everyone know out there, 
If you need any help in the world of real estate, you need to head to cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. She is a full-service realtor, and she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you need help with home improvement. She can connect you with the right type of lenders if you need help with getting a home loan and and getting approval for that. Maybe you you just want to know how much your home is worth, she'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. Even if you are outside of the state of California or if you're somewhere where you just don't really have a whole lot of connections in the world of real estate, contact her. She has friends all over that she trusts, that she knows will help you out. Cindy Carava, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Let's move to Friday. Let's take a look at Aqueduct. For Friday, they do have a couple chalky stakes early on the card. Like race number four isn't really one that I have a whole strong opinion. It's probably going to be pretty tough to beat some of the shorter prices in there. You also have race number six, which I really couldn't find you know anything outside the box. It looks like there will be a bunch of horses that will be all short-ish prices. Temple City Terror I thought was going to be pretty tough in there. It comes out of some... Races against tough, tough company. And then you have, you know, Rocky Sky, California Queen, Capital Structure. They'll all take a bunch of money. So it's not like you can get a whole lot of separation there. In the seventh race, it's the Comely. We're going to see the return of Kathleen O. She was four for four and undefeated before she went into the Kentucky Oaks. She actually didn't even run all that poorly in the Oaks. She finished fifth there. And she was only nine to two in the Kentucky Oaks as one of the top choices there. We haven't seen her since the Oaks, so this may be a good spot to take a chance against her. And I've always been a fan of Nostalgic, and Nostalgic just maybe was in a little too tough against Secret Host and and Neth in in some of those races. And now, when they dropped her back down, she kind of woke up a little bit and she gave a much better performance. I could see Nostalgic running very well in here, and maybe you take a shot against Kathleen O there and think that Kathleen O might need a race for some of her better efforts. Nostalgic is 7-2 to two on the morning line It's the 8th race in the turf sprint Where I do like the 5 in there Nothing better There's really not a ton of speed for this type of a race Dancing Buck to the outside is pretty quick uh, But Dancing Buck Sort of has some options And it's not like they need the lead or anything I could see shoving the 5 nothing better pretty hard And hoping for the best That's nothing better The number 5, 12-1 on the morning line On Friday over at Aqueduct So couple plays for you on Aqueduct Friday, November the 25th. Good luck on Friday at Aqueduct. Let's move over to Churchill Downs for Friday. Churchill Downs for Friday. Let's take a look at races 9, 10, and 11. So we have a couple stakes races in here. First up, it's the Grade 2 Miss Revere going a mile and 16th on the turf course. I like the 8 in here. Fancy Martini. You know, there's not very much speed. I think Bubble Rock probably goes to the lead, and I could see Fancy Martini sitting a beautiful trip right behind. If you just eliminate the race at Kentucky a couple starts back and say that was too far, all of a sudden you're left with really nice form. Go back to the race in May that sent this horse to the bench for a few months. Well, that was actually a pretty good feel that she was behind. There were four next out winners that day and the winner that day uh, walkathon is a grade three winner who has won three in a row fancy martini could sit a beautiful trip there at 12 to one anything around we want at least six in there to make a win wager let's move to race number 10 right next door i'm looking at the seven in here Angkor, who's another 12 to one shot a pretty nice price and he 
He was off for a while from November of 2021 to May Shows back up in May And then he needs time off again So, you know, he's off for what, seven months? You show back up and then you're off for four and a half months again And he didn't run poorly He looked like a horse who needed the race He was about fourth or fifth, three lengths off He was in between horses He makes a slight bit up to third He kept trying all the way The horse who won that day, Strobe, is two for three Strobe had won his first two And most recently he finished second in a race that was in the slop But Strobe's first two races he earned a 99 and 97 buyer I'm expecting Angkor to really be a lot fitter with that race under his belt Angkor is 12-1 to on the morning line Moving along at Churchill Downs Up next it's the Grade 1 Clark Where Rich Strike will likely be your favorite in here I think it's a good spot to take a chance against him He has been really good since the Derby I I didn't think he would show back up with another effort like this That... But in the Travers, in the Lucas Classic, and even in the Breeders' Cup Classic, he performed very admirable in all of those races. And I think he'll just get a little overbet in here. I don't know if the race is going to set up as well for him. It looked like there might be two speeds in here. And I think Proxy is kind of an interesting horse. Proxy has not raced since July, but is coming out for a barn who can fire fresh. They've been pointing to this race. And I think Proxy should save all the ground. And come a rolling So I'm going to give Proxy a look in here I think Rich Strike gets a lot of uh, attention And we'll play Proxy at anything around 3-1 to one. So that's a couple plays for Churchill Downs For Friday, good luck Friday over at Churchill Let's finish up the racing portion with Del Mar Friday Del Mar Friday, November the 25th Let's look at races 3, 5, and 7 So in the third race I like the number 4 in here Little Bro Coop I mean, Little Bro Coop was 3-1 in his last start And he just didn't really fire I mean, he was sitting second He was in a really good spot Sitting like second, third And then when he loomed up He just didn't fire But now he's going to go third start of the form cycle And he has races before That are a lot better than this In fact, all of his races Were pretty decent And races that would be competitive in this group If we can just be forgiving for that one race I think he fits with with them here The number four, Little Bro Coop Who was 10-1 on the morning line Let's move along to race number 5 In I'm looking at the number 5 In here They'll go a mile on the turf course True Patriot has been very consistent In his force, in her 4 starts Her problem has been that She hasn't been able to stay racing She's had you know little interruptions in her uh, In her schedule But now she's going to go second start off the short break And she's going to get back to a mile Her only race at a mile was a win She was moving late nicely last time out True Patriot Makes a lot of sense in here She's 5-1 to one. She feels more like a 3-1 to one shot to me And then in the 7th race Let's look at the number 4 Avenue Avenue just took a shot on the dirt last time out Didn't like the dirt And now gets back to the turf What's wrong with the turf form prior to that? And I think because of that poor race on the dirt, she'll probably be 5-1 to one instead of 7-2. to two. So let's play Avenue, the number 4, in race number 7. She's 5-1 to one on the morning line. If she's anything over 3, we'll make a win wager there. So a little Thursday and Friday action for you at a couple different racetracks. Good luck this weekend. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. I won't have another podcast this weekend, but we will post some best bets and a couple videos for Saturday racing if you need some help with some of the Saturday racing. Just when I had to record the podcast, it was a little earlier than a lot of the Saturday races had come out yet. So 
If you need some more help, come follow us on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Right now, let's finish things up with this week in wrestling. Chad Cooper joins us to talk all about AEW Full Gear, Survivor Series, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Keep in mind, we recorded early on Wednesday, so we have not talked about the most recent episode of AEW Dynamite. We'll catch up on all of that next week. On this one, we got to talk about everything that happened on Full Gear. So Chad Cooper, for everything going on in the world of wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Oh, it's time for this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We're recording this a little early this week because of the holiday. So it's Wednesday, which means we won't be able to discuss what happened on AEW Dynamite, but we will be able to talk about what happened on the pay-per-view on Full Gear last week. Coop Loop, my man. When I think of uh, Thanksgiving in the wrestling world, I always think of those early Survivor Series and the gobbledygooker, but I'm su- I'm surprised in the network era that they haven't had brought it back and actually done it either like on tonight, like Wednesday night or on Thursday, because it's it's different when it was a pay-per-view or when it was just a pay-per-view, but they could have like a special on Peacock on one of these Survivor Series. I bet you one year they might on a Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed, you know, when you when you wrestling fan and you do think of certain holidays, this is uh, this is the one that that probably sticks out uh, more than any of them. Uh, especially if you go back to the early days of the WWE, um, then WWF and Survivor Series came along. It was just a tradition to uh, to to have a, a, a pay-per-view, and they were able to pull those events off relatively well, even when you didn't have a lot of big title matches. And then throughout the year, of course, they evolved. And, uh, you know, I, I think didn't the Montreal screw job happen at Survivor Series? Mm-hmm. Well, even um, even before when when like the territories early on were, you know, wrestling before WWE and before wrestling on TV was built like, you know, weekly local TV shows or weekly local events that would build up to an event at the end of every couple months, like a big event. Sure. And a lot of those events were on the holidays. They were either on Thanksgiving or on Christmas because families would be gathered around and they'd know that then after the family dinner, they would go out and go to the wrestling show. So wrestling and and holidays have always kind of been intertwined through the years. I always get that feel and it is kind of fun that we have Survivor Series coming up this week and we come off of a pay-per-view last week. In AEW full gear So let's start with AEW And then we'll head on over to uh, WWE We had another one of those marathon pay-per-views Coop <laughs> And and the, the thing with AEW That you and I have said from the very beginning Most of their matches And their in-ring quality Is going to be solid to very good It's, it's the build-up To all of them It's the storytelling It's the consistency in storytelling It's who you're Pushing as a big star It's who you're making us feel Are important characters on your shows Those are all of the things That they just haven't been doing quite as well I mean coming into this show for example The two like Biggest matches that they had been promoting Were MJF Moxley And coming in they were both 
being treated as baby faces. And the same thing for Soraya and Britt Baker. They both had like go home promos that were very baby face. Like after the match, Soraya mentioned that, like, yeah, Britt kind of carried me in this. I wasn't really doing very well on the mic and I wasn't really up to snuff. And it it was just weird because it it shows me again, it's like they have MJF who's a heel. Like other than that, like who is like an evil heel who's willing to do the bad stuff, who's just booked as a heel. It's like a lot of cool heels or babyface baby faces, and that's fine, but I don't get into those matches as much. All of the biggest matches and the like the best matches of all time that you think about, for the most part, they're good guy, bad guy with stories being told. And that's usually my my concern with AEW. Yeah, look, I mean, how many days are we out of the pay-per-view and without looking at your notes? I mean, seriously, what stands out? What what do you remember right off the bat from that pay-per-view that just happened this past weekend? And I think that has a lot to do with good cop, bad cop, like as you said. And they've been hurting. Um, it seems like they put a lot of stock in only a few uh, of the storylines, even though they have dozens, it seems like, dozens of storylines going on at the same time. But seriously, here we are, uh, not even five, six days out from the this big pay-per-view, and not a whole lot sticks out other than MJF winning the title. Uh, and, and then maybe the elite coming back, you know, that stands out, stands out. But, you know, it just, uh, it's just, it's hard to invest. And I think uh, people still in this industry, uh, wrestling fans want to be invested in a good storyline. And I just think that AEW has missed the boat and not been able to do that since day one. How many people would you just guess? So on the full gear card, there uh-huh. were 13 matches total there were three pre-show matches how many wrestlers so how many people do you think came out how many wrestlers or people or people accompanying the wrestlers throughout throughout the the, uh the 13 matches okay you have 13 matches um i oh boy let's just say an average of probably four even though there were several singles matches we're averaging four per match four times 13 uh let's say I'm guessing 55, 52, dude. You're right on. Wow. I mean, yeah. So throughout one night, there were 50, and this isn't a Royal Rumble <laughs> night, right? <laughs> That's this isn't the Royal Rumble. There are 52 people on the card. You know, you have a 10 man tag tag to open it. You have the Eliminator Finals with Ricky Starks beating Brian Cage. That's good for Ricky Starks, right? Gives Ricky Starks a good win. We were hoping for Starks, and now it looks like what's going to be Starks versus Ethan Page. I think in the finals. And what's crazy. They have this AEW Eliminator Tournament. They don't even tell us really anything about it. No. <laughs> they never really show us much. Then they tell us that the finals are going to be on the pay-per-view. And then within the 24 hours before the pay-per-view, they say, no, wait, never mind. The finals are going to be next week. And, and and that's frustrating. You know, that's that's some some old, not old, but that that's Vince McMahon era type stuff where – uh, you're leading up to a pay-per-view in WWE, and all of a sudden they've added a a tag team title match. Um, I, I just I don't get the thought process. And look, and I, I think you and I have been beating this drum for since day one. I, I just we know it was going to be different than WWE. We've accepted that. We know the model. 
was going to be based, you know, kind of sort of the New Japan Pro Wrestling. And here's the thing. Not a lot of your average Joe professional wrestling fan is not familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling. The smart marks are, sure. Uh, not of the WWE Monday night and Friday night fans. And I'm not even talking about the NXT crowd. So I, I think it, it's it's too much in a short period of time. And maybe this works out for the better because, you know, with 13 matches, like you said, three were on the uh, the pre-show. Do you are, are you really getting a lot out of Ricky Starks versus Ethan do, Page at the do pay-per-view? all of these do all of these wrestlers? And, and you're right. I agree. I think and I think that that was a better decision, but it still do, sucks. Do all of these wrestlers enjoy Right now, no, I'm going to tell you no. I know what you're going to ask, and I'm, do, I'm answering. Do they out enjoy? The way. Do they enjoy this? Are you telling no. me they all like getting squeezed onto a pay per view in a match where they can go out there, probably do what they want? Right. That's that's the thing with AEW. You can do what you want. What mainly you can do. I don't want to say whatever you want, but there's a lot less checks and balances. There aren't people telling you what to say in your promos. We saw what happened there. People start talking trash to each other because nobody knows what the other one's going to say, and then everyone. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, you, you turn it into a shoot. A work becomes a shoot. And, I mean, like, the one question, and I will say this when we get to WWE, too, because I, I I think it's like it's been a kind of a lull period over the last couple, maybe month, month and a half. And, and I sure. think that is, that is a lot of to the time the time of the year, too. We, you know, you've got football going. You've got basketball that's just started. We just finished up baseball with the World Series. College football, college basketball are going on. You know, we've got hockey going on. We've got the World Cup right now, right? So there's a lot of crap happening. And we're in the middle of the holidays. So the only thing is, like, who... Right now, on this card that I'm looking at, MJF wins. He's in a good spot. L- let's say acclaimed are still in a really good spot. I mm-hmm. think they're still very over. And then let's say, let's say Jamie Hader is in the best spot that she's ever been in. Right, which I would agree. I think she's over. I think she's doing well in the ring. The only problem is <clears throat> she's still like going to be slated like the fifth or sixth most important. Woman in the division And the champion's still out, correct? And she still has an interim Champion, championship She's still probably not As over as like Tony Storm, Soraya, Britt Baker Jade Cargill Or or will get pushed quite as much as any of them My, My point was just Who right now Is in a better spot than they were Three months ago Or six months ago Like who is hotter who is more over right now? Ricky Starks? Nope. He was in a good spot just a little while ago. He's really not. Jungle Boy? I don't know. This thing feels like it's gone on for a long time. I think it was a good night for him. I think it's been a be- it was a better night for him than he's had in recent weeks. He doesn't feel like he's more over now than he was. Dude, when he he had a one-on-one title match with Kenny Omega. <laughs> remember, remember that? For the title. Yeah. Yeah. That was like people, nobody thought he was going to win, but it was like they actually let him have it wasn't even like they just threw it on TV. They even gave him a couple weeks of buildup for that match. Like they let him have a little they were, hey, they were convincing because the buzz during the match is they're gonna let this guy shock the world, aren't they? You yeah, he had that buzz during Would you, you know. Could you feel that right now? I sure as hell couldn't. What? No, and, and and look, another prime example of that is Wardlow. I mean That's what I was going to him soon too. Now ooh. I will say he had that match was kind of fun. It was. He had a a fantastic like 
he did like a, it was like a, um, like a, a, it was a backflip off the top rope where he like nailed Samoa Joe and Hobbs. Like he just kind of threw his body. Badass. It was awesome. He, dude, he beat MJF clean. He squashed the hell out of MJF and sent MJF packing. And now he's just another dude on the card. The whole Ward Joe thing was, we called it right off the bat. The first night after winning it, they had him involved in stuff with like low, low level guys that had been on dark. They didn't put him into anything big right away. They could have, they could have put, he was involved in stuff with punk. We we thought like, yeah, and he got some six man tag action uh, for several weeks too. Where's FTR? (laughs) That's who he was stuck with for a while. I know. And those were, those guys were like some of the most over and how come. And I know I'm doing a lot of complaining. I I am. And I'm going to do some a lot of complaining on the WWE side, too. I promise. Me, too. Me, too. Me, too. But dude, how come we're not hearing any update at all about Hangman Page or Adam Cole? <laughs> they don't even I, tell us. They, yeah. They give, give, on WWE TV, Seth Rollins just mentioned Cody. Yeah. Right? They, they have Cody check in and do something, like, every month or so. They've had him do like a thank you video. They had him do you like asked, you asked for that to happen, and it happened. Yeah, uh, they ha- they had him do like a rehabbing video. They had they've had him do a few of those. And and even if they don't want to do that, tell me what the hell happened with Ang- with Adam Page? This guy was just fighting like for the world title, and now he's gone. And you're not tell- like where? Could you imagine if you're watching like a TV show, and one of the main characters on the TV show? is involved in like a huge car crash and he's in the hospital. And then all of a sudden the next episode, you don't find anything out about him. Like what's going on? Are they still in the hospital? Are they out? Did they die? What? Like this is not <laughs> good episodic TV. Is, no. And, if and, I'm, and again, that it's based off that new Japan model. It is you know? because if I close my eye, if, if I'm just watching wrestling in a pure, athletic competition. Like if this was real wrestling, sure. They're doing a great job, but it's not, you're supposed to build it up to sell me on it. It's a story. It's a, and, and that's, what's, what's so frustrating. I just, Eddie Kingston is this dude. We thought this guy could have been a world champion. Yeah. He wrote that, that player's tribune article talking about his mental health and everything that he struggled with. Now he just feels like a total, another dude. Again, yeah. Now maybe, for sure. maybe with him, there was some stuff behind the scenes that happened, right? So maybe they didn't want to give him as big of a push because he was getting into it with Sammy. That's that's fine, understandable there. But what the hell did you do with the young bucks and the elite in the bringing them back? Like, what? Why did you bring them back like this? Have them lose in a match one in a best of seven series? I guess now that, that that's what <laughs> yes. we're saying. This is the best role for them. And while that's happening, Kenny Omega is setting up a match for Wrestle Kingdom with Will Ospreay, which is going to be fantastic. That sure. like that no is complaints. actually that should be the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. The only problem is, what does that do for AEW? I, I just can't keep up. Like I told you with with, with that, I can't keep up. So help. Omega's I mean, losing in trios matches in AEW, but he's gonna go and be go in this over. <laughs> singles match in New Japan. I don't like it, it. It is very 
very strange when you just sort of look at the card and and like where everybody is slotted and placed. But a shout out to Penta. Did you see Monday Night Football? I did. With Penta giving uh Greg uh g- giving George Kittle the mask out there, Loved which it. was which was awesome. He had a 49ers uh luchador mask for him and Joe Buck called him Penta El Fierro Miero. It was pretty cool to hear <laughs> to hear that on uh, on Monday Night Football. So shout out there, but you couldn't have brought the Young Bucks back in a in, – or all of these guys back in a better way, maybe a more creative way. We're just not going to talk about what happened. Shout out to the CM Punk or the what the FCM Punk chants. And, yeah. uh, and yeah. then there was some Colt Cabana chants also. Um, Man, was- crazy how, how short-term wrestling memories are. I mean, right? here we were not long ago – all hell CM Punk, and then here we are now. He needs to go back to WWE where he. What belongs. have you done for me lately? And you know what's coming up? The Rumble's coming up, so you know we're going to be hearing. Oh, that. there's going to be yes. In the days yes. leading up, we're going to be hearing that CM Punk's going to show up, and <laughs> nah, 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 nah. <laughs> you know that everyone's going to be talking about it. Um, so just running through ten man tag match that was on the pre show with Dan Housen, Orange Cassidy, Beretta, Chuck Taylor, and Rocky Romero getting the win over the Factory. Starks got the win over Brian Cage in the Eliminator semifinals, so now he'll face Ethan Page. Eddie Kingston beat Jun Akiyama. Uh, Jungle Boy, they're calling him Jack Perry, though, a lot more now, to, uh, beat Luchasaurus oh, yeah. in the cage by submission. The Death Triangle, Penta, Pac, and Phoenix beat the Elite. Okay, in- just stop right there. Just, what, what are you, four matches in? How many people, yeah. how, how many... I know I, five just, again. Yeah. It's it's hard to connect the to dots keep up. when you're so used to being spoon fed by the WWE. And I think they they feel like. And let me say, I, I can understand <clears throat> if if this this to me, if I'm in Tony's head, this is what he's thinking. He's thinking we don't have that much TV time every week. We're gonna try to just jam everything that we can on to get everybody feeling like, man, they're two hours. That so much happened. I I understand. I can understand that. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense to me. But the problem is now you've had three plus years now. This isn't to figure the, it first, out. the first year where you're trying this. You've had three years. You've not seen any actual real growth. You've seen kind of a plateau. And they've done a, a hell, they've basically done the second best job or the third best job that any wrestling company has ever done besides WWE. So yes, they've done. Agreed. <clears throat> well, getting onto TBS and TNT, that's the huge part. A major TV deal where where a lot of people can see you, not like Impact that was on Pop for a while, right? And they're on these channels right. that most people don't even have on their, you know, in their packages uh, for their cable and stuff. But so I, I will give them plenty of credit, but it just sort of feels like he's being really stubborn in like a total opposite way that Vince used to be. And it's it's the same thing of just like this is my idea of how this wrestling show is going to go. And Vince had a totally different idea, but it was like, nope, this is how it's going. We can't say the word wrestling. We can't say the word wrestling. You know, like there were just things that Vince had stuck in his head. And for Tony, it kind of feels the same way. It's like, nope, we got to get 15 matches. Everybody's got to be out there for two minutes. There cannot be one second of like quote unquote dead air or just like something breathing. We got to go right from this to this, to this, to this, to the next, to the next, to the next, which I don't, I mean, I think like if you're a kid, 
that that might be cool. When I used to go to rent the videos, you know, you go to Blockbuster and rent the movies. I would pick out the the WWF video oh, that had the most like matches on it. Matches, yeah. Right? I'd be like, oh, cool, WrestleMania four. I get every yes. one of these matches in the tournament. I get the two three hours of nonstop action. I love it. Now, I prefer good matches with a better story. You know, and even if the match quality is slightly less and the story is is better, that's what I want. Because yeah, me too. I can turn on you and I can go on YouTube any any time and just watch like the greatest matches, like sure. anywhere. We can, and they're they're great. We don't have to know anything about them, and we can just watch them. I want reasons to care, and I mean, I didn't care that Nyla Cargill, Nyla Rose stole Jade Cargill's title and was running around. Oh, that's so bad. This so match bad. This was a bad. And and what's happening now, like. Jade doesn't feel as over oh, as Oh yeah, did. that's a that's another one. I I I was gonna use her name before Wardlow's, but oh that's another one that had everything going for her and now it's just like that title, um it just really has become irrelevant. Her look is just it's not special anymore. They should have treated her like Goldberg. I know. And the and a, a lot of it is is because she's on rampage all the time. All the she's, time. She's like never on dynamite. And now, good point. I mean, the match wasn't good, and she doesn't feel quite as over. No. Jericho, Danielson, Claudio, and Sammy in a four way, and the match was fantastic. Sure, but great. But you look at these guys right now, and did the have... Ring of Honor title make that match any better than well, what it would have been if just those four gentlemen would have been in there? No. And okay, you. Why do you want? You have Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson. And then Claudio Castagnoli on this show. I mean, those are three of your top five to six stars, right? Jericho, Danielson, sure. and Claudio, who has not been treated very well, like we no. imagined. Hell, Came Jericho's in. been main eventing dynamite with that almost RLA all the fight. time. But you, like you, you don't want to get better use out of Brian Danielson right now than this. Like, I, I don't know. I don't. I just don't. I don't feel like Jericho feels fine. But in this match, Ian Riccoboni says Jericho's proving himself to be one of the greatest Ring of Honor champions of all time. What? <laughs> he literally said he wanted to like destroy everything that your company was for. And like, what are you talking about? You know, oh, I know, man. I know what they're trying to do, and they're trying sure, to get sure. Ring of Honor as a separate brand and. Separate TV show and you know you have Guys like this involved it makes it feel Bigger but AEW Isn't A a, WWE started doing that stuff Years later when they would like Bring in the NWA for a little Bit you remember when they did that with with Cornette and they had Jarrett and Like those guys would be on Monday Night Raw Wrestling their NWA matches And then they did the same Thing with ECW Right? But they, at least, like, but at least they had an ECW program on Sci-Fi, right? Or it was and, on and, and MTV or MTV Two or something. And WWE was way more established. They had been around for 15, 20 years at that point. For AEW, like we said, there's so much going on right now that now you've got this focus on the Ring of Honor titles, and I don't know. We we've griped about that quite a bit. The match yeah, was. Excellent. That was fine. Sure. Excellent with those four, Soraya and Britt. It was solid. You know what? And and 
Could it, it Is it like Paige's best match Absolutely not not at all Well I don't think you're going to get Paige's best match ever no, again No and you know and I will say It makes me feel Two things when I watch her wrestle Happy and and glad That this woman who She's not some One of the girls that was like A model that turned wrestler This was a wrestler This was her life, her family, everything Hell there's a movie about her and her family And sure. And so to see her get a chance to get back in the ring It made me feel good But man, for a while, every time I watch her wrestle I'm going to be anxious and really worried That, that she's going to get hurt again And that was this, I was the same way with Brian Danielson And with Edge And I will be with her for a little while So great to see her back in the ring Wasn't like a five star or anything And unfortunately, like, what do you do with Britt Baker now? Oh man, yeah Because Britt Baker um, Everything <laughs> Britt was saying you, you put the fans in a weird spot because they had to pick between a woman coming back from career ending neck surgery and your hometown, like your home company female that you built the like the female division around, basically. It's like Brit, nothing in Brit's promos were really heelish. She was saying, I was the one who was the main woman around here. Everything she said was legitimate. It wasn't. She and, is. And they, I think she still is. Totally agree And and you made the fans You put them in a weird spot Because you should have just had Britt Be the heel If you didn't want that yet Don't have that be her Soraya's first match back Have it be against Nyla Rose Or a heel So that way everybody would have booed that person Cheered Soraya Soraya gets the win And then in a few months You build up to the Britt Baker match Now where do you go for Soraya? Are you going to go fight Jamie Hayter and take the title from her after she just won it? Like, where is Soraya going next? That's what I don't understand. And no, and I and I think it's really put them in a bad situation with Thunder Rosa being out for so long. And you know, we knew it was not a good idea to have an interim champion. It, it hasn't been a good idea with the UFC. Um, I, I don't think. If my memory serves me correct, which I'm old now, so I, I don't recall very many instances where the WWE had interim champions. I, I just think that puts you in a position, and, and, and you've even said it, take the title off of her, and when she comes back, she automatically is the number one contender. I don't. That's the only time WWE I, has done it when they've had two champions, and then they've come together and fight for the belt. You don't. That makes sense. I don't like him. I think it hurts. I, I think it, it hurts the title. Me too. And it's stupid. I don't know where you go from here, other than maybe Britt turning on Jamie. Especially when you are not giving us any information. If they were telling us, "Hey, she's got an injury, but she's going to be back on December the first, so we're going to right. let her keep the title because up until then, then she comes back, and then she'll have a couple of weeks to get in shape, and we'll let her wrestle and defend it." Okay, that makes sense She's the interim champ, we don't know when she's coming back She doesn't cut any promos She's never on our TV We don't tell you anything about her All we do is call the other person who's the champ The interim champ Champ, yeah yeah. Like, and, again, and, 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 I, it, it hurts the whole division um, Weekly check-in with Thunder Rosa 30 yeah, seconds I, I mean, Give me a 30 you second to, You have to tune it over to bust it open to hear her talk I know, you know? and she's over there and and when she is over there, she's like showering praise on uh, 
Mandy um, Rose. <laughs> Mandy Rose. Yeah. She was given, and she's totally right. She was giving Mandy like a ton of credit. And I think she's absolutely correct. We uh, we spoke about Samoa Joe beating Wardlow and Hobbs. Uh, Sting and Darby beat Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Again, okay, like, Let's talk about that match. I have no problems with the match. Me neither. But you talk about hot and cold. I, I just don't know why. And look, I, I'm going to upset some people here. I may even upset you. I don't know what we're doing with keeping Sting around this long. And I, what, well, is it, what is it doing? And I, I know. I, remember look, how hot? Remember when there? he initially came in those first couple times when they'd have the snow coming down and what? how sure. big a deal it felt like for Sting? And we were even saying, wow, this. And, and I. I didn't, I don't, and I didn't want Sting to be wrestling like for the title or anything. But there could have been, if you had Sting around and you wanted him out there, I think you wasted him in a lot of these matches. He, and he he's had been a bump stuck start. with Darby, and, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. It hurt both of them. How long are we, is, are we milking this? Darby was facing Punk one on one for the title, Darby was a badass TNT champ. For a while, well, I think he was a multiple time. I think, yeah, for a month, he headlined Dynamite on Wednesday nights. All the time. Multiple time TNT champ. He had great matches with Cody. He had good stuff with Kenny. He was such a bigger part of the show before. And now he's with Sting. And when they come out, everybody cheers. But what is what has Sting done? What has Darby done recently? Nothing. I, I just didn't understand. I, I don't have a problem with the match. You know, you, you've got to get people on. I, I just don't think there was a very good purpose, especially with Jeff Jarrett around. I know. We uh, talked about Jamie Hayter picking up the win over Tony Storm. That was a good match. That went 15 minutes, and they both – it was good. They both had a, a really nice match. No, no issues with that at all. And uh, the acclaimed pick up the win over Swerve and Keith Lee. And now we wonder – I could see Swerve. Swerve has been really good as a heel. Like I could see yeah. Swerve getting a nice little run as a singles right now. I- I'm very nervous for Keith Lee. Oh yeah, this hasn't worked out very well. Because those two probably have a match, right? Yeah. Swerve versus Keith, and then I could see Swerve cheats to win, and then you kind of elevate Swerve a little bit, and he can be someone who's more of a singles guy. And then what do you do with Keith Lee? That's it's a little scary. It is. And you wonder is Keith Lee and Mia Yim are. Are married, right? They are. And now, well, she's not Mia Yim anymore. Mi Chin. Min Chin. Mi, Mi, Mi Chin. Yeah. Okay. So, and they so are. you wonder if he looks back over and sees how well things are going for her. And now she's getting a nice push. And remember when he was in NXT with Triple H, you wonder he starts thinking about how. Maybe life could be different for me over there. I don't know. We've we've heard a lot of stuff about Keith Lee over the last few years. About first, he had really scary health issues. That was and really we do- sc- and, and, and a majority of the wrestling crowd dogged the WWE for all of that. Yeah, and despite and, his health issues, they dogged him. And he physically wasn't able to get himself into the shape that he wanted. In AEW, he's been in better shape, and he's actually had a good little run here um, as as this. With the tag, but yeah, the he last didn't, several weeks he, he he's been okay. He just didn't remember when he was in NXT. He was the mul- the, the man. Both, <laughs> he had both titles. He yeah. had the NXT champ and the North American title. He had both of them. And then when 
he came up the few times he came up, we saw him interact with Brock at the Rumble. We saw him be treated like a the big star, and then that was that was one of the issues. Everybody said when he came back up again, and Vince was sort of treating him like a jobber. But we'll see where Keith Lee can find his footing because he hasn't gotten back to that NXT level really anywhere else he's been. And then MJF against uh, Moxley, he gets the win. We called this one with the uh, the William Regal turn, and I just thought that they were it was fine. And, and I, just I don't like, know why he needed to turn. I mean, it was. I felt like they were doing too much with it before. He could have been a be- the bad guy, and and MJF was like full baby face, and then like back to full heel, and he was laying it yeah, on. Yeah, because thick. I thought Stokely was going to get it. We thought Stokely maybe get involved, you know, because he was involved with the storyline for you know for a while. I just don't know what purpose it served MJF. So he needed help to beat Moxley, which I look that that's a. That's a heel move, but you and I have both been saying it for the past couple of months. Once MJF returned, his promos have been babyface. I, I just don't. And you it know, was. And if, I don't. I didn't if, like. I didn't. Uh, they didn't either. need to build it. The whole MJF pretending to be a babyface thing just sort just like sort it. of threw me off. Not it, for this. Not for this finish. Not for this finish. You you didn't need it if you if you were gonna have Regal turn all along, you could have just had that be the that was your turn right there. You had right. MJF as the bad guy. Regal turns with him. You don't need to have MJF pretend to be a babyface, and then you start thinking about things all throughout the weeks that happened that led up the stuff with Stokely. He got his ass kicked by a lot of those guys. Why he? So they got where they needed to get. MJF is your champ, and, and you know and what? Look, the two things that that happened, probably two of the big things. Gino was one getting the title on MJF. Bravo. Okay. And number two, I, I, you know, despite my admiration and your admiration for Tony Storm, they went with, and this is hard to do because WWE sometimes doesn't do it. AEW hasn't been known for doing it, but they went with the hotter person and, and put that totally title agree. interim on Jamie Hayter. So I, I give them a lot of credit for that because it could have went other ways. Absolutely agree. You know, and a lot of the other things, if I'm going to grade oh, them. Bad. If, if I'm grading them like on their quality of in-ring work, sure, they're good to above average. But like you said, you have to look down to think about what you really remember from that show. You yeah. really do. And, and it shouldn't be that way. There should be four matches that stand out because they were big moments. They were like crowning achievement type moments. And, you know, you mentioned the two. And that's all that really stands out to me. We'll, uh, we'll talk next week. About AEW and what went down on AEW Dynamite We'll actually have a couple different uh, editions of Dynamite To recap next week But let's move on over Coop Because we have Survivor Series coming up this weekend And we can preview the Survivor Series show And we'll talk about um, You know some things that happened on Raw and Smackdown To help build to that So on the Survivor Series card We have just five matches But two of them are the War Games matches Where they will be five on five So this looks like the way they're trying to hopefully brand Survivor Series moving forward as a War Games style. I would love to see maybe just one or two pre-show matches added with a, a traditional elimination match just for just for fun with some of the other people that are on the card that uh that you know don't have that don't have a match in here. But we have Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory, and I will say that. 
I'm, I've been a little confused with Seth because he felt super babyface, and then on Monday Night Raw he was calling out Cody, which I thought <laughs> no was it, a little it weird. Was so frustrating. M- Monday Night Raw was so frustrating with Seth Rollins because we've now gone back to the irritating, um, goofy heel character. Which I know we thought we, he was drawn out of, but we've kind of went back to it, and I, I'm not a fan of that. No, me neither. So that was weird. Lashley. Is full blown heel And I will say Austin Theory You and I talked right when he cashed in the briefcase And it was like oh man Theory is buried This this is bad he's in serious trouble They have done As good of rehab Kind of explaining why And making him feel like He's equally to more important Than he was before When he had the briefcase And so I like the, the aggressive Attitude that he's had, the little character change I'm I'm less worried now than I was A couple weeks ago, let me say that Like it still seal, feels like they think that he's He's a player on their roster Yeah, yeah Look, he uh, The the snapping, uh, was that with Dolph Ziggler A couple of weeks ago, where mm-hmm. he snapped um, They've definitely re- Tried to reinvent him In a, in a quick time Um it will be interesting to see this match. I don't think Bobby Lashley wins the title. Excuse me. me looking either. at the looking at the odds, you know, Seth is the favorite, minus 150. But Austin Theory is almost close to even to winning this title back. And I, I could, could see, see him winning it. Me too. I, I could see Lashley taking the pin uh, and not Seth or seeing Seth. You know, you have three involved. So it will be interesting to see if that title goes back around the waist of uh, Austin Theory. I could see it, and then the other two guys could sort of be elevated a little bit to maybe guys that you could think could win the Royal Rumble, right? Yeah. Because yes. you could feel like you could have like a Seth or a Lashley as a person to win the Rumble possibly and then maybe have a, a match with Roman. So that I could understand that because, remember, after this show, Royal Rumble is the next pay-per-view. That's it. There, there's that no December pay-per-view. So we're going to start the build to Royal Rumble. We have Ronda next Rousey Monday. versus Shotzi. This is a good okay. this is a good opportunity for Shotzi, but I mean I just don't think anybody in the world thinks she's gonna beat Rhonda. But you have to have you have to have players like this, right? Where nobody thinks they're gonna win. But hey, let's see if Shotzi can go out there, have a good match, and prove that she belongs in big matches against some of the top women here. Yeah, and this is an interesting position for her to be in. I, I've been a fan of Shotzi for a long, long time. You either love her gimmick or you hate it, and uh, she, she's definitely a massive, massive underdog here. Ronda Rousey, minus 4,000. Uh, these are even bigger odds than uh, when she was really fighting, uh, punching people in the face at UFC. I, I don't think anyone, uh, even the Shotzi uh, marks, uh, ha, uh, feel that she's going to win this title, but I I want to see a good match here. I don't want to see this become a glorified squash match for Ronda. And I have a bad feeling that it that it that it's going to be. Uh, I agree. I, I just hope. I hope they Shotzi, give him give Shotzi uh, eight too. to ten minutes. Right, like I, let him I have a too. match. I do too, but I have a bad feeling. This is why Shotzi got fed to the wolves. I'm hoping not. But uh, something tells me this match is not going to go longer than six or seven minutes. But uh, I'm hoping that she gets a lot of offense here to make her look at least strong in a couple positions. Because you know that Ronda's going to make her tap out. 
match that I, I just hope they give them 15 to 20. And I hope they don't have too much shenanigans with everybody else outside the ring. AJ Styles versus Finn. Yeah. And, they, could, and, but, and look, AJ deserves it because he's been, uh, kind of hasn't flouted. really been a part of anything for hell, even when he was the tag champ with Omos. Omos, I know. Phil Ryan, you know? AJ's he's been, the favorite here, Gino. He's, he, he's the favorite. Uh, minus 400. I'm with you. If any match on this card deserves, you know, other than the War Games gimmick match, any card, you know, match deserves to, to have some quality time be these two. I'm with you. There's a lot of shenanigans. There's going to be a lot of outside interference, you know, I believe. But uh, I, this this could be really, really good. It's been a long time since I've been excited about an AJ Styles match. Me so too. And, and a Finn match, both of them, right? That, For both true. of these guys, they've deserved more. Than they've been they've gotten recently So it'll be good to see them get a chance to maybe bring the best Out of one another As we get to the women's war games match Bianca, Alexa, Asuka Mia Yim And a partner that has not been announced Versus okay. Bailey, Dakota Kai Io Sky, Nikki Cross And Rhea Ripley So we called the Rhea We called the Rhea this, one Gino. You yes, called sir. the Rhea one So without And we'll get into the Because uh, I, I think that it's leaked who who this this final person is going to be, and I think we're going to find out Friday night on SmackDown. If you looked at it on paper, if you haven't seen the opening odds, how would you handicap this match? Who would be the favorite to win? I mean, I would think it would be the babyface side with okay. with the, with the two be announced as as the favorite. I would too, but Team Bailey has opened at minus four hundred, and that's wow. a little icky to me. You know, and that's, I, I, you know, if I could find a good bookie to take this match, I yeah. wouldn't mind putting so, some change. Okay, I, so now and so now that the babyface team announced Mia Yim as their first partner a few weeks back, so now we know it's not going to be two. So we, it's not Bailey, it's not Sasha and Naomi. Do you think it's just one of those two? No, I don't. Do you think, think it's, it's Beth Phoenix? No, I, I, I don't think it's either. I. I think unless we're being swerved, there's some things that have leaked out and you know how I am with spoilers and all that nonsense. I think Becky Lynch is returning. The only yeah. problem I'm having with this is if she's returning, I don't know why. Why would they be losing? Odds are, I, I, they should not be losing at all. No. I don't care who gets pinned on that side. So, so I completely agree with you. And I think Becky is the safest Bet for them. Becky is who you should, who this should be because you can bring her on the babyface side. Becky, there nobody's going to be disappointed if it's Becky. The fans look, 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 and you bring up a a very good point with Beth Phoenix. She has history with Rhea, and I could see maybe Beth being pinned by Rhea in this. Um, Mm -hmm. Remember, you have Bianca, who's your Raw Women's Champion on one side. Correct, and then yep. you have the the women's tag team champions on the other side. Uh, man, this is this this. I is think a, okay. So the options that we have are like you you hit. We, we, Becky, we talked it, ourselves out of Charlotte because Rhea. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I don't think Charlotte on the on make baby sense. face side would make sense. No. Absolutely not. Becky was one that was involved with these women and that and was gone. Like Becky is the safest bet because. If it's not Becky, like you don't want to have it be someone like Raquel Rodriguez, right? Because that Raquel is fine. 
Raquel is good. Raquel would have even made sense on this team. But if you yeah, have not her, as a surprise, exactly. I agree with right. You, 100%. you don't want it. This would be a Tony Khan thing, you know, if you, <laughs> to be point. like, we've got a big surprise. <laughs> like at least, at least Becky fits the bill of a big surprise. You don't want to have it. This be someone that you're calling up from NXT. Like this, this has to be Sasha or Becky or like maybe Beth. I don't think anybody yeah, else those makes three. sense. Yeah. Like I just yeah, Carmella, no one. Yeah, no, and Carmella had stuff. recently, did you see some of the stuff that she was dealing with, the health issues? Yeah, with, uh, man. And that which is, is so is, sad trying heart. to have a, a kid. So oh, oh that's bless her heart. Unbelievable. Um uh, just heartbreaking stuff there with Carmella. So I mean, yeah, like don't don't have this be Candice LeRae. Don't do that. No, don't no, do that. Don't to do that. No. Don't do it no. to her. Because you could have just added her to the team. Before and it would have yeah, been fine. It, it's got it, it's got to be it's got to be a pop and one of those three uh, yeah. definitely will do it. Becky's the safest. I just uh, if, if they got Sasha, the odds. if they've got Sasha, go get Sasha. Right? Like if it's Absolutely, if they got 100%. Sasha, bring her in. It's in Boston. That's in like she'll get the big pop. Cool. If they don't have Sasha, we'll just bring Becky back. That's safe. Sure. Like. Nobody's going to be disappointed there. The crowd will be happy, and Becky will and, be and awesome. Look, we've got to have a winner in this match, and this match is going to be, I mean, NXT. If you go back to earlier this year, if I, if again my memory serves me correct, I know it was during COVID. NXT had a War Games match, correct? And the mm-hmm. women's match was sold awesome. The it show. was EO. EO was flying off stuff, man. She just jumps so off stuff I, all over I, the place. I'm expecting, I, you look, and Triple H likes to take chances. Vince likes to play safe. And look, I know there was Shane jumping off cages, Mick Foley, you know, flying, you know, tables. I know that. But we know that Triple H definitely likes to take some chances. So I, this is w- the match I'm looking forward to the most, simply because now I've seen the opening odds, and I'm wanting to know if Becky Why? comes back. What, does Becky turn? I don't know. There's, there's could be all kind of, you know, she could turn on Bianca, you know, and then we pick up Becky Bianca. I don't know, but this one is very intriguing to me, and I can't wait to see this one because it probably will steal the show. And I think we. We predicted a couple of weeks ago who would fill in against the bloodline on yep, the uh, on the babyface side, and and you know what, seeing them stand in the ring, I feel better about the, the team, right? Like when we talked it out, we were like, ah, who can even really feel like they're you know comparable to the bloodline because the bloodline has been the most over act in wrestling for such a long time. But, but when you yeah. when you stack them up. Like one on one against each other, you know. You've got on the on the on the babyface side. You have Sheamus, Ridge Holland, Butch, Drew McIntyre, and Kevin Owens. You have three former world champions there. Like good point. You know, I mean, if you were if you were ranking them one one by one individually, you'd probably have Sheamus, Drew, and Kevin Owens ahead of everybody else except for Roman on the other side, based on like. Their singles credentials and what they've done, you know, like their resume in WWE through the years. The Usos have been a tag team. Solo is new. And Sammy is the most over he's ever been right now. But Sammy hasn't been a world champ. No. So <clears throat> it it feels like you did as good of a job as possible stacking a babyface team. And, and you know what? The Brawling Brutes, they kind of have a fun thing together. Sheamus and Drew. You know what? The buddies. Man, the- that that opening of Monday Night Raw on Monday it was night 
It was good. It was fantastic. I don't know if just K- KO set the tone, but those guys, those those guys coming in through the crowd is what did it for me. If you just come down the Titantron or down the ramp, yeah, we're excited. But these guys came through the the crowd, and that's something that is that has always been an easy pop for anyone. So I really like the way they told that story on Monday night. And if you look at the odds, it, it's almost a pick 'em. Bloodline slim favorite at like minus one thirty. Because um, uh, I could absolutely see this being the the start of the. And like, we, th- that's what you and I fantasy booked a mm-hmm. while back. Mm-hmm. This could be the start of the, of the cracking. And with with Kevin Owens in there, I if it wasn't if Kevin Owens wasn't in there, I wouldn't have felt I, the bloodline the is over. Put put I'll go all in on the bloodline. But him being in there, the stuff that he has with Sammy, the fact that he's mentioning stuff on Raw, like I want to take the title from Roman. I should have taken it from him before. It. Me too. I loved so it. now all of a sudden, think about what we were saying. Like you've got. KO, Drew's in this match Sheamus feels a little bit bigger Those could be all guys You could have one-on-one feuds with Roman Wouldn't, wouldn't you, Would not you be okay with KO Versus Roman Reigns Main eventing Royal Rumble? Absolutely, they did that same match I think two years ago Or last year well, KO versus, I, um, that was the one where Paul Heyman Like, remember he right. kind of screwed up He's That one that's spot right. They sort of bought, like, that's right. he just couldn't get the right. The handcuffs, was it? Or whatever, one of, one of those things That's like, he didn't get what the key. it was Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Always yes. remember the botches. <laughs> and the well, the, the match was great, but the finish the part was, was just like a little too wonky. It was um it was a little much, but yeah, I, I think they've they've set this up well. And now we, you know, bloodline Sammy stuff, Sammy KO stuff, Brawling. And look, Roots. this is the last I'm gonna and this is the last I'm gonna dump on AEW this week, I promise. You're only five matches, and you see how excited we are for these five, or at least three of the five, or four of the five. There's yeah. not really a whole lot of people excited about Ronda and Shotzi, other than the fact that maybe Shotzi gets some offense in. But see how excited we are for, for this pay-per-view that only has five matches. Heck, it may get added one, probably will in the pre-shows. The pre-show's probably going to be 90 minutes or what. It's just, it, it, look, people don't go to the movies and pay their hard-earned money or stream a show on Netflix and fast-forward it to the very end just to see what happened. Chad, right? I'm watching a show right now uh, just on Disney+. Plus. Where you and I are recording on Wednesday, and uh-huh. the show's final episode of season one, Andor. It's a Star Wars show. It's it's right. very good. It's on Disney+. Plus. And it's a 12-episode show. And what's great about it is there are a couple episodes that they're kind of slow, but the writing is so good that you don't like you don't really notice. But when you kind of look back after the episode, you're like, wow, not a whole lot happened there. But what what it's doing is it sets up because there are like three or four things throughout the season that are these huge moments. And by yep. the time you get to that huge moment, you've got all of this incredible character development. And you've learned about all of these people That's what WWE does a little bit better Some weeks we look at and we go Ah, that was kind of a waste Nothing happened that much on Raw or on SmackDown But you know what? We saw Bianca, Alexa, Asuka We saw them on the TV a little bit more You find out more about them You hear another promo You see them in a match There's buildup You care more about it When these matches happen Than just like Oh, damn yeah, like we can put Seth Rollins in a match with anyone at any time, and the match will be good. But I don't care as much about it. 
no. And, and look, I, I, honestly, Raw has not been, I think, the honeymoon period has, has kind of worn off with Triple totally H. Agree. We agree. We, we've seen some lulls. Um, Raw has not been uh, uh, blow you away. SmackDown has held its own, but there's, you know, because we're, we've been more bloodline driven on that. But Raw has, has trended downward for me personally, not as exciting. But when you lead up to that, instead of putting all your roster on this pay-per-view on Saturday, you focus on this. And look, the intriguing part is this this bloodline match, not just to see if the bloodline go over, they could still go over, but we still can't have problems with Sammy and Solo or the Usos, right? I, I mean, it's just compelling, two compelling matches. And heck, we just spent 10 minutes talking about the women's war games yeah. match. We don't spend hardly much time at all talking about the women's division AEW because it's Britt, uh, Tony Storm, it, Jamie Hayter, and a few others. And I, I will just shows it, you, man. And when we jump into NXT in a second, I'm going to critique the hell out of the stuff with the women down there in a second. Absolutely. I'm going to. It's not as if uh, we have a bias of any of this stuff. And I totally agree with you. Raw has not been as good as of late. There have been decisions sometimes in some of the booking where it's like, ah, that felt very Vincey. That felt like something Vince would have done. Yeah, you know? Omos squashing people. Who'd Omos just squash? Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Gargano's Gargano. in trouble. So we've got in, in trouble, pal. In, in a positive way, and, and I sort of agree with you too, because it's like, it doesn't feel like there's something for the Johnny. The connection was, yeah, it was that not they're made. building to. Yeah, the connection wasn't made, and it's not like, if Omos is squashing him on the way to something where it's like, he, he has an end game. You know, Johnny's not on the show, and I will say, as we're talking about, I don't love what they've done with Johnny, but I do think it's fine that Johnny, Gunther, Ricochet, New Day, Miz, Loomis, Braun Strowman, Viking Raiders, LA Knight, Bray, all people that they've been building, but they're not oh, on this show. 100%. I agree with they you. Don't, yes. They don't need to be on the show. Because they're not no, absolutely not absolutely they don't need to be on Survivor Series. They're not no. in a place in the feuds yet to where you just say let's just throw them on there and put them in a match. It doesn't oh, make dude, sense. The Bray, the, the Bray Wyatt L.A. Knight stuff over the last two weeks has that was been awesome, unbelievable, dude. Awesome. Just, uh, that's some of the best stuff. And look, you and I were worried about L.A. Knight, right? I, mm-hmm. I mean, he comes up. He's got a goofy. Persona, it's not going to work. Okay, we turn him to LA Knight. Uh, are people still going to connect? No. What do you do? You stick him with Bray freaking Wyatt. How and smart I, is that? I actually think he might beat Bray in oh, the I match. Oh, I think he beats Bray. Because Bray's going to do the whole. Bray's going to do the whole like being distracted by himself. You know, Bray is Bray is feuding with himself right now, and Uncle Howdy. Um, and this this is. Could be fantastic for both of those guys. I, I absolutely, it's very I think compelling. I love. They're it. doing the the World Cup on Fox, which has been fun. You know, they've had some really solid matches on there, as you would expect. We're going to get a Ricochet Braun Strowman match coming up. This and, and, and as you just said, we don't need any of that on this pay per view. No, we need don't, that don't for, force for SmackDown. it. Yeah, right? don't force it. And Let that play out on SmackDown. Let these guys continue to have feuds. I just. I have a good, a really good feeling about the Royal Rumble this year. Just like right now where we sit a couple months out, just going through the players in our head, there are a lot of people that I feel like could be positioned for big runs. And, you know, we know Cody's going to be coming back. And 
at, at some point you throw him in the mix with all of these other guys and like we could have such a badass final four or five maybe have someone like as we make the transition over to NXT maybe someone like uh, Carmelo coming up yeah. soon right I'd imagine I don't know how much more he has left to do down there so Survivor Series on Saturday this weekend uh, very excited for this pay-per-view and the uh, the War Games matches in particular and then that AJ Finn match should be a badass barn burner Let's get to NXT Coop and let's finish it up with yeah. NXT yeah. So we opened up with Mandy Rose And there was a lot of new faces on NXT over the last couple of weeks We're seeing debuts, some good, some bad what I'm, what I'm feeling though in the women's division right now About six months ago we were talking about how many different contenders there were. It felt like, wow, they're building up all of these women. And now it doesn't really feel that way. And I, I wonder if some of the some of the issue may have been what they did with Stark and with Nikita. Those two kind of felt like they were singles contenders. And then they put them in a tag. And now they're together. Right now, it doesn't feel like there is any individual woman that is ready for a title shot or like should no. be put in a title match with Mandy Rose at all right now. And then honestly, no, and, uh, or no. the tags, there's no, no, there's not even any tag teams anywhere. And they got to go back to Kate to chance and Carter against toxic attraction. I will say this. And I, I 100% agree with you. It, it, this division has felt a little, um, there's, there hasn't been a, we, we knew Alba fire wasn't going to be the champion. Uh, wasn't going to be the one. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's a. They haven't done a very good job of building uh, the next uh, big legitimate contender. I will say this, and we, I, I was very hard on her um, because it kind of felt like that that she just couldn't be taken seriously because she was too young. I think Cora Jade over the last couple of weeks. Oh, I'm has, glad you did. She feels like it to me. Totally agree. She feels like she's it. She's found and, it. And look, I'm not saying she's it's happening it. tomorrow. Yo, no. I'm not saying it's happening tomorrow or next week or next month. It may not happen. But she feels like a main roster star of the work she's done the last couple of weeks. As it, she's, and it's felt, I'm so glad you mentioned it because I was I was just going to get there. And it, I don't – it's a combination well, of things. You know, I don't know. It's a combination of things because she is like her heel work in the ring against Wendy Chu was very good in the match that she had with Wendy Chu, and she picks up the win, and Cora's mocking her. But she, there was like a presence that she had in the ring that felt different, like a confidence that she seems like she has right now, and I think she's even in a positive way. Putting on some muscle Because she's tiny She's tiny So she's like She's growing up a little bit more She's a young girl Like a young girl And that was the thing I think that stood out to me the most How good I thought she came out Of this episode in the last few weeks And I agree with you It's just She's a heel and Mandy's a heel But Right I don't Well you know It just It didn't I, I didn't like Cora and Roxanne Perez being paired together. They kind of cancel each other out because they kind of, they're number one, they're super young. They super ruined talented. that feud from the beginning. They ruined it, it when did. they turned on each other right away. 
it did. Uh, as we've said many a times, maybe it's better um, that they ever went on and lost the titles and one of them turned on the other one. Um, but that she's gotten away from Roxanne Perez a little bit. It looks like Roxanne Perez is maybe going after her and Indy Hartwell are going to have a feud or whatever it is. But over the last couple of weeks, I don't know what has changed in her, but Cora Jade has bravo because I was, I, I was, look, last year we were ready to crown her the champion and the greatest WWE women's wrestler of all time. And then there was like, why are there other people in this match with her? I know. And now we're, we, we, now we see why there were, but man, if she continues to do this, uh, she she's gonna have some longevity in the WWE because I am I, I, I was very surprised and taken back how much she has improved over a short little of time just getting out of that Roxanne Perez feud for for a minute and focusing on something else. Man, I, yeah. I, I got to give kudos because I was real I was bullish on that. I was hard. I was ready to walk away from Core Jade. Yeah, I uh, man, I'm. I'm agreement with you there. I am in very much agreement with you there. I think that she feels like the one that uh, that you you see something in, and that you really do. Let's continue along through NXT. So, yeah, we like hopefully we can get a couple other women's tag teams. They did the same thing on the women's main on the main roster yeah. too. How can we put a couple of these women together that aren't doing much? Let them be in a tag team for a year. Let them build it up, and then they can. You know, go their separate directions, but right now it just doesn't feel like there are a whole lot of other teams waiting in the wings. There's not. There's not. <laughs> Apollo Cruz. You can see the future. <laughs> and in the future, he's got a match against the jeaned uh the jeans wearing Braun Breaker. You know what? I will say Braun Breaker feels pretty good right now. Like he just kind of yes. feels like a regular dude. You know, like I think they're finding his footing. With him, you know, it's it's taken a little while, and he he kind of felt like a Roman Reigns guy at the beginning that they were just sort of forcing to the top a little because they, they liked him, but they're sort of found like they're finding his footing, and Apollo's been doing some goofy gimmick stuff, but this match should be awesome. This should be really good. Yes, I agree, one hundred percent. And the way NXT ended now, you know, uh, I, I think there's a lot of excitement. On in, in the title picture, you know, the bleeding eye stuff. I, I, I still to this day, if I ever get to ask a question to someone, I, I'd like to know what what all that was about. What I the don't hell know. was that? I don't even I, I know. Don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's the supernatural powers that he can see in the future. But you know, when he came back to NXT, we were really excited. And then he was another one that was just kind of like thrown to the side and had a match, and then. Then would then got involved in a tag and then was in a tournament or whatever. Uh, another one, Braun Breaker. I was very sour on him several several months ago. I, I thought him and the Joe Gacy stuff was about as bad as you can get, and that's why WWE is in the position they're in now to make these choices. Because I would have told Braun, "You're dropping the belt, going to go home for a while, pal. Uh, we we've got to reinvent you." Well, but I mean, no, remember he, they did. They had him lose to Ziggler. They Ziggler, did. Ziggler won the title. Ziggler beat him for a while. <laughs> and, uh, week. I think it was yeah. WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. So, but no, Braun Breaker's another one. Just he he's good and he's gotten better. And I think him and Apollo will be a fun, fantastic match for both of them. 
the the hobby stuff is so stupid, but it makes me laugh. I gotta say, he's talking about all the people he wants to face, and he's like, Axiom. Oh, he's injured. Elon Musk, yeah. <laughs> Drake the Rapper. <laughs> you know, he's going through everyone. So I don't know. He's goofy, but I think that it's made me laugh a little bit. As has Chase. You man, I, this has been good for Duke. This has been yeah. good for Duke. I like this, man. I like this for uh, for Hudson because Hudson. You could tell they've liked him, Coop, because they've given him repackaging three or four different times. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just he's never connected. But this this is like the most interested I've been in Duke at, at, so far. Yeah, you know what? We got the gambler, the card shark guy. Uh, we got his head shaved. That was that was interesting. Uh, but you know, then he had his little. Romance uh, rendezvous with Indy Hartwell cut short, um, and uh, you know, so he really couldn't get into that. But this has been surprisingly good. Hey, look, I I've been a fan of Chase U since they the the gimmick appeared, and it's it brings me back to the old '80s WWE superstars days uh, when you had the Mountie, when you had these goofy little you know the Repo Man, you had some goofy little gimmicks, and hey, what's popular now? You know, the NIL stuff in collegiate sports, this guy's got the, he's got the Letterman jerseys on, the Letterman sweaters. Uh, you know, he, they got him a damn tag team title match this past week. I'm hoping, I'm hoping this guy and, and this thing, they'll spend a little bit more time on it and let, let's take them a little bit more serious, but it's sure is fun. I, I, yeah. I, I think it's fun. And, and if it, if it down the road, it, it's a match between them two, one turns on the other, so be it. But it's really a fun to see uh, to see Chase you um, uh, grow to what it's become after you know him being in the classroom and a teachable moment has been a a popular catchphrase on Tuesday nights uh, for NXT. So I, I've been thrilled with it, man. I, I I like Andre Chase. Gambling is against school policy, Coop. So just keep that in mind over <laughs> <will>. there at Chase U. <laughs> you can't. I was gonna say you're not getting into Chase U, Chad no, Cooper. I'm not. You're not <laughs> gonna be no. allowed because they're gonna find out. But you and I won't be. Uh oh. Unfortunately, I'm gonna have to cancel my uh my admissions letter that I sent in. Uh, I'm gonna. Have to, <laughs> I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm getting in once they take a few look look at my social media. They'll they'll see. <laughs> they'll see right away. That's what they do nowadays. <laughs> Um, Kiana James versus Ivy Nile. Ivy Nile looked good, and you know what? Yeah. Both of these women looked in, like much improved. I, I thought yeah. they looked a little bit better. So that I like seeing them out here. They're not quite ready to go face a Mandy Rose yet, and that that's kind of the problem where we are is that there's some talent there, but it doesn't feel like anyone's up on the level right now, except for maybe a Cora Jade, who's also a heel. So we'll sure. see what happens. Um, Isla Dawn, there was a little video there Hyping up Isla Dawn And then we get scripts Reggie Man, I, I would have Look, it, it, we we talked about this Who we thought it was a couple of weeks ago You and I had no clue Reggie. I don't think there's there's any type of money You could have put in my hand To say to say this was Reggie oh, No way no, no. There was a lot of people that crapped on it on social media I thought it was pretty fun Okay, you, I thought here's it was the pretty thing. fun Reggie is good in the ring. Reggie can go. He yes. is incredibly acrobatic. And and I like Reggie has a little chemistry something to him like there's like an organic um charisma to him. I the one thing I will say, the the mask has got to get they got to work on that thing. It looks yeah, like something yeah, that's It that's, looked that's, like that's, a McDonald's Happy Meal 
like something I would have got out of a Happy Meal and then just put on my head. It really, it looks, for WWE who's can do the Bray Wyatt stuff at like the horror movie levels. And then this we get- like National Guard Armory stuff. Oh man, the script's mask. It was- Spirit of it, Halloween, the clearance you know, it was, Like this I could have gone getting. to the local Target Walmart and gotten like a better mask, like a more <laughs> serious looking mask. But I'll let it play out a little bit because I like Reggie. He picks up the win over Guru Raj. We had the schism reflecting on Thanksgiving with Ava Rain and Jagger Reed and Joe Gacy. So um, they feel more important and like a bigger deal. Now comes a point where what's next? They can't just sit down and cut promos all the time over and over, right? They have to have... A feud, they have to go out in the ring. We have to see Ava possibly have a match, right? These these right. things. So that's that's what I want to see next for them. Yeah, I agree. Maybe you know, I, I had you know, I, I'd like to see what takes place with the Creed brothers. What are we what are we kind of doing here? Um, with arms but, wide open. I just listened to it. It's crazy. I listened to a podcast with Scott Stapp. Um, oh. Uh, about uh, three or four days ago, I don't know why it popped up, but I listened to it for twenty minutes before I'm like, okay, yeah, let's move on. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe we can get some closure here. What's happening with the Creed brothers? Maybe the Creed brothers versus Schism. I don't know. There's something just kind of feels off a little bit with the Creed brothers. I agree. Um, they're kind of something flaw- is like, not hot with them right now. Yeah, they're not. They don't really have anything for them. They're kind of. Kind of floundering themselves also Um, We just had a little backstage Promo for Carmelo Hayes setting up the uh, Main event match later on in the night Zoe Stark picks up a win Over Saul Ruka this is just to get Zoe looking strong Um, Nikita comes out afterwards though And makes the save so those two Will have a match and then I mean it, Nikita is the one to me that makes the that, most that's, sense. That's, right? Yeah, that's maybe she comes out of this feud with a win. I don't, and, you know, I think it would definitely help her on her way to Mandy Rose, and that's the way. To and then you go to Cora Jade, right? Yeah. Then you yes. could go. Nikita could be the one to take it off of Mandy. Then you could have Nikita. You could set up Nikita even having a feud again. Like let's say Nikita beats Zoe. Nikita yeah. wins the title. Then you've got Nikita as the champ. Cora Jade, she can have another feud with Zo- with Zoe again for the title if if they need be like I, yeah, I, I think cuz I don't think this yeah, I don't think this storyline is set up for Zoe to be neither. the top contender. I think it's no, Nikita. It's it's got to be to make Nikita. And I think that w- Zoe will do that because in ring they'll have a fantastic match. And Zoe as a heel is just so much better. Like oh, this. 100%. Cuz she's 100%. aggressive and she's good in ring and she doesn't have to be like corny and baby facey and joking with EO which no, I did not never like was not a fan <laughs> of that one. We got Pretty Deadly versus Chase U for the tag team championships. Pretty Deadly pick up the win there. And um, I mean, Chase U is at least getting elevated a little bit more, right? They're getting these matches and they're getting put in. Meaningful before, matches, yeah. 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 Before they were just in segments and stuff. And I think I think they're getting the progression that that they need. Coop, this weekend. I'm gonna I am gonna create a TikTok. I'm Uh-oh. doing it. I haven't ever done I haven't done it yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna 
create an account because I need to get I want our show to get a little bit younger. I want this podcast to Let's get a little it. younger. I know there's TikToks yeah. on there and we can do some uh some little quick hits and little quick stuff yeah. there, but um my girlfriend's gonna help me set it up. But we got a TikTok awesome. video of Indy yelling at Roxanne during a live <laughs> show <laughs> this weekend, which was was pretty funny. And um it was like uh, in a house show too. It yeah, like it was. Lakeland, Florida house show. I love they when they I do like that. that stuff, man. I love, I love it. When Even they, when WWE does it. Everything filmed, dude. Brett the Hitman Hart won the title in a against Ric Flair at a house show, and then Brett the Hitman Hart, you know, before that lost the the Intercontinental title to the Mountie at a house show. Right yes. before the Royal Rumble, just a few days before, and then Rowdy Roddy Piper beats the Mountie at the Royal Rumble. In <laughs> the Mountie. I remember it was so cool because Piper cuts this incredible promo talking about how he was gonna. He came into the night with no titles, and and he just won the IC Championship, and now he's gonna leave with two titles because that yeah. was the night that was uh, the the uh, the title was up for grabs. Uh, Rumble '92 when Flair yes. won. So that was just. Awesome. Like I love when they show the the house show stuff. They used to do it all the time with like yeah. Diesel. Diesel won the world title against Bob Backlund. Oh wow. Um way back when on a house show. Um which is is pretty crazy. So love when they do that kind of stuff. Me too. We had a uh, Caden Carter and Katana Chance interact with Nikita backstage. Um but we got the baby faces kind of all talking about how maybe the three of them will go against Toxic Attraction. So that this feels like where we're headed, maybe right? Nikita sure. seems like she could be the one. Let her get a win over Zoe along the way. And man, I gotta say, the main event match, Carmelo Hayes versus Wesley, this felt like a takeover match, old NXT yes. takeover. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. So good. Love the ending. I it, it was just that that's black and gold NXT right there for sure. It was fantastic. And if you told me that Carmelo would be a guy to go over and face Braun, I could see that. If you told me Carmelo yes. could have like a baby face turn, I could s- totally see that. If you told oh, me they're going to bring, bring him up, I could see that. If they said, and after the match, Dijak appears, and if they, if you said Dijak's going to come right in and win this title, I wouldn't be shocked. And you can put Wes Lee against Braun. You could have Dijak yes. go in over against Braun. He feels yes. like he's towards the top of the card. And now all of a sudden, everything at the top of the men's division feels really fresh right now. Yes. Love it. I, I, I can't book it any other way because there's so many talented individuals, uh, all of them that you mentioned. And, and I, you know, and, and it puts Braun in a very, very good spot, too. And it and it opens it up where you know Braun's not gonna go over a Gacy because, you know, w- we knew that wasn't gonna happen with all these. I, I like I'd like to see Carmelo. I'd like to see Melo go full face here. For, for some reason, I think he's a, I think he's a a bona fide. He was born to be a. He's baby a star, face. man. He's he just is got a it. massive star. He's, he's got, got the it. it factor. Yes, he will be. Yes, big time. They, they won't even have to change. The character that much like the segments they do In the barbershop will just be They're just talking about heels instead of baby Faces right like that's really all It is and yeah I think With Carmelo With Wes with Dijak now With Apollo with Braun With Dragunov And with JD McDonough And throw Grayson Waller in the mix Too like that's a pretty good Top 
tier in NXT right now. There's a lot of guys in there doing some good work on the single side. So, um, yeah, some positives on the men's division on NXT. We'll uh, talk all next week about what happened in WWF, WWE Survivor Series. But, Coop, it is rivalry week, another big rivalry. It is. Just a couple uh, weeks left in the college football season. Talk to us. Is there anything that jumps out to you this week? You know, there's all kind of all kind of rivalries this weekend. You know, we have the Egg Bowl, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and there's Lane Kiffin all over Twitter. He's just, you know, reports that he's <laughs> Is he going, going to Auburn. Auburn. And he just calls the reporter out. That's fantastic. That's and, then, and, and Lane Kiffin tells his team stuff like, I am focused right now on Mississippi State, and I have not accepted the job to Auburn. Which might be well, true, right? Well, it is like, true because you're going to accept it after day the after day. <laughs> the day after. I mean, so it's like he's such a word games guy, you know. And he mentioned earlier in the year that he didn't love how in some of their uh, non-conference games it felt like a high school atmosphere. The crowds aren't there and stuff. I I could see him going to Auburn because they got a lot of money at that program. Yeah, and and and, and I think he's. Look, I'm not taking anything away from Ole Miss. You know, Ole Miss has been a a good valued solid sec program but i think you and i both know there's probably unless you have one kind of freak year Ole miss is not going to win the sec championship uh they they may get lucky one year and win a division uh title i i, I just I, I see him going over to auburn but you know all these different rivalry games you know you, you've got florida florida state um uh, you've got all these different ones. And then I look at the one that no one's talking about. Okay. And it's, it's the, the, the pesky old Mac conference, you know, the Mac is known for their wild games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I'm, I, I'm going to make a play on a team that is not going to a bowl this year. They're playing on Friday morning. It's central Michigan at Eastern Michigan. CMU is four and seven. They'll finish their season on the road. Eastern Michigan at seven and four. They're going to a bowl game. But guess who's favored in this game? Central Michigan, the road favorites. They're they're minus two, Gino. And how in the world could could anyone ever take Central Michigan at four and seven over Eastern Michigan, seven and four, two points in their own house? Chadley Von Cooperton is uh going I love to- this. I, I I just look. They have a lot to look. They don't have anything to play for, but they own this series. Two, look, I love the fact that it's went down. I think it opened at three. Look, the weather's going to be crappy. I look these directional Michigan games are so fun. Um, I, no, they're not five star matches. You know, this is like watching some regional territory National Guard Armory main event. Uh, on a Friday night in uh, Peoria, Illinois, somewhere. <laughs> I'm going to go with CMU minus the two. That's my lock this week, Gino. Coop, I got to say, it's Thanksgiving, man, and I am very thankful to have a friend like you through the years. We have talked so many hours about horse racing, about wrestling. I mean, it, it was funny because it all started at Delta Downs when you yeah. and I linked yeah, up. Vin, and we Louisiana. used to talk always about yeah Delta and racing from Delta or Evangeline. And then you would come on and help me out at TVG. And you helped me learn the names of some of the local people out there and the names of the jockeys and the owners. And you, you know, connected me with people. You helped me when I had to go out there for work. And then we got talking. And when the podcast started up, you were always one of the first people I thought about is helping me out. And man, 
every single week you're here you give me hours of your time you don't ask for anything in return you are a good good dude man i love you brother and i'm very thankful at thanksgiving time i'm thankful to have a friend like you and someone who helps me out so much right back at you gino i hope you have a fantastic uh, thanksgiving weekend a lot of turkey a lot of I, I don't know you west coasters i don't know if you call it stuffing or dressing yeah uh, stuffing yeah we call it dressing down here okay. in, in, in texas but i hope you uh you're filled with some good uh, good moments and some good victories this weekend as we watch the survivor series college football college basketball nhl and some nfl it's uh, it's a really a fun time to be we got some fan. usa england on friday too That's in the it. world uh, cup we, man hey we need a must win by usa too we man. do we do goal differential let's run it up we do coop thank you so much buddy you have a great weekend with the family and make sure to everyone give chad a follow at the chad cooper That's going to do it for this episode. That's what G said. A big happy Thanksgiving again to everyone out there. Thank you so much to Chad Cooper for helping us out with this week in wrestling. Thank you so much to Eric for helping us out with NFL. Next week, we will finish up with Andor. They just had the the season finale, so we'll put a big bow on Andor. Trevor and Michael will join us. In uh, another week, we'll do a a Black Panther 2 recap so we'll get tim kelly back to help us out with the deep dive recap and review we'll continue on with all the big action going on in the world of horse racing football college football we'll uh we'll talk a little bit about the world cup next week we'll see what the uh the group stages have been kind of looking like as they finish up so much going on in the world of sports hope everyone has a nice safe holiday with their family and thank you so much for for making that's what g said a part of your day your week your weekly viewing and pass the uh, the show around and share it with your friends and let them know that there's a show that will always t- uh, treat you with respect and that was always ready to uh, to dive into whatever topic is going on in sports and pop culture